You get more out of life when you go out to a movie. Let's all go to the lobby. Let's all go to the lobby. Let's all go to the lobby to get ourselves a treat. Delicious things to eat. The popcorn can't be beat. The sparkling drinks are just dandy. The chocolate bars and the candy. So let's all go to the lobby to get ourselves a treat. Let's all go to the lobby to get ourselves a treat. Once again, to Halloween Boutique Psychotronic Reviews, I am one of your co-hosts, Philip, from the state of New Hampshire in the U.S. of A., and with me in the Commonwealth of Virginia. Hey, this is Barrett. Barrett, how's it going? Going well. Excellent. And in the state of Missouri. Hi, this is Kevin. Mr. Latz, how's it going? Elementary, my dear Peron. Elementary. Excellent, excellent. And uh, we do have a special uh, guest tonight, uh, someone from... Alberta, Canada? It is indeed. It was a... Sean. <laughs> Sean. Ginger Bullet. Yeah. <laughs> the Ginger Wiling from Alberta, Canada. The other side of the border. Yeah, we're enjoying country. our new uh, variant with COVID this week. So it's... Yeah, oh, yes, they, yeah they, they uh, just came in the headlines today. Uh, for folks who are curious, we're recording this April 7th, 2021. Um, but basically, uh, it was a headline just about literally an hour ago that the main variant in the United States, too, is uh, the English variant. So I assume yep, yeah. you're responding about that in Canada as well. Yeah, we're getting the Brazilian one is the one that they had the break, big breakout over the weekend. And our government was uh, provincial government decided to make sure they took the, t- the weekend off before they asked <laughs> where it was and what was actually happening in a couple of journalists had to actually break where the actual variants were, like where the break or the outbreaks had taken place. So it's been fun. So wonderful, wonderful. The government government is always a good thing. Uh, oh, that's yeah. being facetious, of course. Um, <laughs> now, uh, folks who have stumbled upon us, who are we and what do we do? Well, we are once again Halloween boutique psychotronic reviews. It's a, uh, once a month to twice a month podcast that basically discusses genre and indie films. So genre meaning of sci-fi, fantasy, thrillers, techno thrillers, mysteries, grindhouse, art house is the other version. So art house, drama type stuff uh, and whatnot. So basically, uh, um, oh, and foreign films. So, so basically it's either grindhouse or art house. And now uh, we do it all here. So that's what we are. We are found at darkdiscussions.com. Why is it darkdiscussions.com? Well, because that's the Dark Discussions News Network, and we are one of the podcasts on that network. It's also a website that gives up news daily. So if you follow um, indie uh, film or genre film news, you should check out darkdiscussions.com as much as possible because it's updated all the time with reviews, release notices, articles, podcasts, and the like. Uh, If you want to email us here, we will email, uh, I mean, read your email on the podcast, and that is darkdiscussions at AOL.com. You also can follow us at Dark Discussions Podcast Facebook group. 
Um, you can also email us by pressing contact us link on the front page, or actually on every page of uh, the website. Once again, www.darkdiscussions.com. All right, so that's pretty much it. Uh, we got um, there may be some news or stuff, but we'll probably get into all that stuff uh, after uh, we discuss our topic tonight. Uh, for folks who are curious, what we do, we basically do critiquing and reviewing. So we review a film, but we also critique a film, meaning we dissect and analyze specific scenes as well as the main topic. So there would be spoilers. Uh, tonight's topic, uh, we'll discuss in a moment, but before we do, I guess we'll have someone introduce it. So, uh, Barrett, why don't you let everybody know what we're going to discuss tonight? We are going to discuss the movie Initiation. It is a slasher film, I would call it, with a little bit of mystery. Happy homecoming to our Kappa newbie! Boys, it's real simple. Top comment. An exclamation point. Tag the hose to protect the bros! Something's happened with your brother. We just found him at his fraternity. We have one victim and are still looking for a suspect. Please call us if you have any information. We've had issues of cyberbullying on campus. What do they post? An exclamation point. No, someone's in here. Last year, that girl, something happened to her. that if it were to spiral out of control could hurt all of us. I'm hoping to keep this between us. That's right. Uh, Initiation, um, as stated, uh, is a brand new film that's coming out in mid-May, and we were lucky enough to uh, get a review copy of it. Uh, the film is a film uh, directed by someone named John Barrado, uh, and the cast includes uh, a good many of people, including uh, a lead actress of Lindsay LaVanchi. Also starring is Locke. Lynn Monroe, um, also John Huertas, Isabella Gomez, Froy Gutierrez, Gatlin Griffith, and also uh, Shireen Lay, among other people. Um, the film uh, 
has been, uh, I believe, doing the festival circuit earlier, uh, but it was picked up by Sabin Films, and uh, they are the ones that are going to release it. So I guess we can go around and discuss how we heard about this film and what we thought about it. So uh, let's start with you, Kevin. Uh, you told me about it and said, hey, let's, uh, let's do this screener. And I said, okay, it's, it's a slasher. I have not seen a uh, slasher in quite some time, actually, probably not since uh, the Halloween uh, movie came out, uh, at least new slashers. Uh, I mean, I've seen the, the classic Halloween, but this one it was it it was a slasher, but it also had a mystery to it, which I liked that. I wouldn't say twist, but uh, it, it wasn't just uh, as uh, Roddy. McDowell from Fright Night said, demented madmen running around in ski masks, hacking up young virgins. Um, it's, I mean, before I go into, I, I won't spoil it, but uh, it was a mystery. It was a slasher with a mystery. All right, very good. Um, yeah, uh, as you were watching the film, you texted me multiple times saying, I think it may be this person or this person, or this person. And so, um, yeah, you were really into the mystery. Uh, what about you, Barrett? I really liked this film. Uh, I thought it was really well done. I liked <laughs> the way some of the kills were done. Um, I, I thought it was somewhat inventive. Um, I thought the acting was fine. Uh, there are some actors I really like in this. Um, like Lachlan Monroe and uh, John Huertes. Um, the movie itself was just a fun ride. Unfortunately for me, I kind of figured out who did it really early on. Um, I think just I just lucked onto it in my head. And uh, so I was not surprised at the end, but I think a lot of people will be. And I think there are some parts of it that they kind of keep to the imagination that I am glad they keep to the imagination um, rather than go full out of what happened in certain situations. So... That's pretty much it. All right, sounds good. Um, yeah, for me, um, I heard about it uh, same way everybody else did. A uh, screener popped up. Um, they offered uh, us to uh, take a look at it. Um, the trailer looked pretty pretty cool. Uh, oddly, the trailer made it look like it was futuristic, where it may take place in the future or, or the near future because of holographs and stuff. But as you watch the film you learn that those holographs suggest what people see on their cell phone. So it's not really holographs. So uh, that was interesting to find out that it was like, Oh, this is an, a, a, a techno thriller. Like I thought it was going to be. Um, so uh, either way, um, yeah, it's uh, a pretty solid slasher film. Um, and as Kevin mentioned, there's a, a mystery. Uh, I was really wondering who, uh, the individual, the murderer was, um, and whatnot, but I wasn't really sure. The whole film, uh, took place, uh, in a, a handful of days. And so you only have a handful of characters. And so you're wondering, are, who's a red herring who possibly could be, uh, the guilty party or will there be a do ex machina? Uh, you never really know. So, um, yeah, I, I enjoyed the film a lot. Um, it was pretty solid uh, for the, the subgenre that it's in, and uh, I would recommend it for sure. Uh, let's go with our Canadian brother, the ginger wilding, Sean. 
Uh, well, I found out about it yesterday because you asked me if I would be interested in watching something and being on the, the episode. So I had not been aware of it before that time. Uh, I thought it was shot really nice. Uh, really good use in many different situations. Like very clean uh, cinematography. Uh, I liked the fact of seeing Lachlan Monroe, who's a Canadian, and I've watched many a time from being in Canada. <laughs> um, and I was also surprised to see Yancey Butler as part of the cast, because uh, the last thing I think I'd seen her was Kick the Kick-Ass series. So that was kind of cool to see her. Um, it was, I'm not usually a slasher person, so I've grateful for how they sla they filmed different slashings that took a took place and um yeah i just thought it was like it's i thought it was well done and i was surprised in some of the aspects that they pulled off all right very good very good uh that's uh pretty much the four our opinions of the film so all right so do we have a wiki mr let's Wiki, wiki. Okay. Wiki, um, wiki. Thank you. <laughs> okay. Uh, this kind of worded a little weird, but Witten University unravels the night a star athlete is murdered, uh, kicking off a spree of social media slayings that force students to uncover the truth behind the school's hidden secrets and the horrifying meeting of an exclamation point. Hmm. That's a weird uh, because yeah, there, there really isn't a spree of social media slang. So. No, there's not. Yeah. It, yeah, social media. The only way it really is part of this is by like talking, <laughs> people talking to each other, and then part of the plot, a little bit of part of the plot. Yeah, with the yeah. exclamation point. Right, but, right, right. Yeah, we'll I don't say. Where... Yeah, I don't think it's major. Right, right. Yeah, I don't either. Um, uh, though they they market it as I mentioned in in the, in the trailer, big uh, the social media aspect of the film. Um, obviously, social media does have an impact in the film, but it um, it isn't social media media slayings. I mean, they're not right. <laughs> yeah. Um, uh, so uh, all right. So that's cool. Um, so before we uh, begin. Going into full detail, where we'll spoil there, we'll let everybody know. We'll throw up the warner, warning flag, and all that. But before that, we'll discuss uh, other things that may um, not be spoilers. And uh, yeah, one of the first things I wanted to bring up was um, the cell phone use. There, for this film here, unlike a lot of films, uh, slasher films, that they, they have the cell phone problem. But here, they actually uh, enter the cell phone as part of the the plot with because of the communication and whatnot and they also don't have the issue of cell phones losing power or anything of that nature which i thought was pretty good i don't know what you guys know if you guys noticed that yeah and it's almost like a third actor you know what i mean like it's another actor on the screen because you get the the messages going back and forth so you kind of get to see what's going on in the background yeah, oh. i'm sorry it's just you had i mean you had um because cell phones are such a big part in this movie, they, and I think I know what Phil was talking about, thinking that this was going to be kind of a futuristic thing because you saw kind of a transparent screen pop up, but really what it was was showing us what was on their phones at the time. Um, and so when we, so when I saw that, it's like, oh, okay, that's, 
what that's what that is. And I thought it was an interesting uh, aspect to the movie because, like I think I think it was Sean who said that the, the cell phones became another character in the in in, in the movie. Um, and so I like the fact that they did that. I like the fact that they were they they showed us so uh, how reliant they are on their cell phones. Uh, be it the power or be it just uh, the there's one scene and I'm not spoiling this that there's one scene where um, the the cell reception went bad and so they couldn't call out even if they wanted to right yeah. which is kind of, which is kind of funny because when they like oh I can't use my cell I can't use my cell it's like well the receptionist desk has a landline why don't you, why don't you try that one they that's never that's what did. I was thinking but there's no landline phones to be seen <laughs> well I thought there was at the receptionist desk well you know younger people would not think of that to be honest no mm, that's a good question they are not necessarily used to thinking about I'm going to go use a landline us, yeah, we're old school. We've seen a landline. We've probably done the. <laughs> but these these young kids, they don't know anything but a cell phone. Yeah, that's true. That uh, they are college kids, right? So they're, they're anywhere between freshmen to senior. That they don't really uh, say what they are. So they're anywhere between. 18 to 22, uh, which means they were all born um, in basically, you know, 1999 or or later. So landlines, uh, yeah, may, may, you know, by the time they turn, what, 15, 20, 10 or whatever, we're already talking the teens, uh, 2010, 2011, 2012, whatever. So, yeah, you're right. They may not know much about landlines except what they see in movies from well and they might know about them but it, it's a different story being so used to them that you would think of going to it yeah okay that's true that's true um but did they have landlines around as people mentioned again if they did they wouldn't have them in their their dorm rooms or any of that nature but they would probably have them in common areas like like a, say a front desk or something like that yeah um and, and maybe even in in schools, classrooms, you know, the ones on the wall that every teacher seems to have. But um, that's a fair point. That's a that's an interesting observation about uh, landlines and their lack of use in this film. Um, well, and did the did that cell reception thing seem convenient? Like. Did he do something that caused that? I mean, they didn't show anything, but I just wondered about that. Well, so I was wondering that too, yeah. Yeah, I if that's the case, maybe he did something about the landlines too, if there were I landlines. Think, well, I, well, as I said, I, I know there was a landline at the receptionist desk because isn't that what the receptionist used to call in um, – hang on a second. What's her name? Uh, Ellery. What was that? Ellery. The actress is Ellery. Ellery, right. Uh, call, I mean, I know she called in Ellery uh, to come into the professor's, uh, to come into uh, uh, Professor Monroe, or sorry, uh, Professor Van Horn's office. I thought she used a landline there. So, well, I mean, it could be a closed circuit landline that's just for office to office communication. No, because but she called she out. She called out. 
Yeah. Oh, she called out. Okay. Yeah, she, she called. That's out. how she. Called oh yeah, out you're right. Hand. She did. Yeah, and so that yeah, that would have been out. You know, but it, I mean, all that aside, um, I know that there are devices that you can use to block cell uh, cell transmissions. Yeah, and they're because not. Because I, rem- I remember seeing get. them. I remember seeing them in catalogs, and they said they're not exactly legal in uh, some states. Because <laughs> I was really tempted to buy one, uh, so when I go to the movies, I'd turn it on so I wouldn't yep. see people on their cell phones uh, in the <laughs> middle of the movie. <laughs> yeah. Um, well, well, he did oh, do ahead. a lot of preparation. Let's think about it. He did stuff to the doors. Um, oh, yeah. I feel like he did something to the cell reception. So he might have taken care of landlines, too. Who knows? They didn't try it, but maybe there is a cut that they did. <laughs> yeah, it would have been interesting. Excuse me. It would have been interesting to. Uh, it, it, well, I mean, for me, it would have been logical that they would have tried it. Yeah. Yeah, and that's a fair point. I mean, obviously, a lot of these slasher films, they have other issues, uh, which are, gee, my cell phone isn't working. Do you have any bars? You know, and, right. and that's that's the the new. Oh, I'm about to run out of uh, battery. My phone is dead. What do we do? You know, so they they actually um, do other things instead, which is the phones work, um, and actually mistakenly make beeps you know like when you get a, a yeah if you follow somebody on on twitter you get a beep and and that can on the murderer that oh someone's over there and so they use the the cell phones actually to um hinder our quote-unquote protagonists or heroes or whatever you want to call them instead of actually uh cause issues with like oh no i don't my cell phone's not working so i thought that was an interesting aspect uh, of the film as well, um, how the cell phones actually hurt some of the characters while they were trying to hide. So I thought that was kind of cool. Cool, because I also know that, I mean, I remember uh, a church I went to in in, in my hometown in, in Rochester that the way the room was set up, I don't know why, but cell reception was virtually non-existent in there. And the thing is, is that because cell reception was not existent, the cell phone itself used more power to search for uh, search for a signal. So that could also be why, because at, the, at, at that one scene, the one of the girls says, oh, yeah, you know, I, I'm, I'm almost full. You know, like my, my phone is almost, um, you know, full powered. But then near the near the end of the movie, like you see, like the bar is down to like nine percent. Yep. Right. And right. one of the characters asked too about if where there's a place to charge her phone because right. it's one of the, and uh, I've noticed that part. So at least because I, I was wondering, I'm like thinking about because it's always convenient to have no reception. Or, oh, my battery's dead. I did, and so was to have someone actually, you know, is there somewhere I can charge? I thought that was a nice touch. Well, and that, that's a fair point too, Sean. Because uh, if folks who uh, do airport travel um, or even uh, modern fancy colleges or modern fancy libraries, you'll notice um, they, they have um, uh, USB plugs everywhere for, oh, yeah. for you to do that. And, and so this college appeared that that was a possibility because they were looking around for one in the courtyard earlier in the film, not, not in the scenes that we were generally talking about right now. And uh, no, there was none, but, it all made sense to me because I, I, I've seen things like that at modern universities, libraries, or 
uh, airports where, you know, people can just plug it. They're always filled when I'm in the airport. (laughs) I'm always out of luck. There's somebody sitting there forever. (laughs) Right. Well, right. And and nowadays, you know, know, if you buy a new car, every car has like dozens of those all throughout the car, you know, (laughs) Uh, even even in the trunk. So you can, you know, plug in speakers or whatever, you know, because a lot of people tailgate and so forth. So it's kind of interesting how that works now. Um, so that's a good point, Kevin, and also how the the power of the phone went down. It makes sense because yeah, you're right. I mean, if you you I go into a grocery store locally here, um, and you there's an app for the grocery store that you can use, and you you scan in your for the pricing, and then if and you scan in your basket, and then you get bonus points and all this other stuff. But the reception's in there is terrible, and so by the time I leave that. Uh, I lose like 50% of my power on my phone because, like you said, it's really searching for the local Wi-Fi and, and satellite and all this other stuff. Um, and so, yeah, yeah the, the film actually uh, does it like that, and and it, it's believable. It makes sense. Yeah, it so feels really cool. realistic. Yeah, yeah. Um, also, um, I felt another good thing about the movie, too, was uh, the characters. Um, most of the characters were believable um the the, there are some characters that do some despicable things off camera thank god um but when they're not doing those despicable things they're not the weasley people that you usually see in slasher films In, in other words everybody acts pretty normal and standard for um the type of person that they are, whether they're a college student or a professor or the, the dean or the cops or whatever. And it's only behind closed doors that they may act despicable. And those scenes are, are fairly limited. So I felt that was good too, because if the despicable people that do those despicable things in these type of movies, they're usually despicable all the time. In other words, even just hanging out there, the, the jerk or the other, whatever, that isn't the case at all. The, the despicable people that do terrible things behind the scenes in the bedrooms or whatever aren't the jerks in public. And I thought that. Well, and I think that's more realistic. I mean, I think most bad people don't want to be known as bad. So if they're going to do things that are bad, they're going to try and hide them, you know? Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I mean, I mean, and the, in their eyes, the, what they're doing um, obviously is, 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 is pretty bad, but it doesn't affect their day to day life outside of what they're doing. So when they're hanging out with their friends or watching TV or whatever, yeah, you wouldn't know that they're exactly scumbags. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, even they, psychopaths try to hide their murders. So, you yeah, know. yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, and oddly, I, don't, I wouldn't even call the, the the despicable people in this film psychopaths. I just call no, them, they're not. Yeah, they're just, they're, they're just, no, not remotely. Like, yeah, they're yeah. just doing terrible things because there's an opportunity, and they they decide to take those opportunities um, versus say being sociopaths or just being obnoxious frat boys or or sorority girls. They, they don't really have those type of characters in here. At least I didn't feel that way. No, no, yeah, they seemed like. Exactly what you'd have with a frat or a sorority. You have regular people, and sometimes when they're together, they do bad things, and just like any other group of people. Right, right. Um, yeah, so let's uh, let me give a little further setup 
of uh, the plot uh, versus the IMDb. So basically, um, there's Ellery and Shailene are like the two head sorority girls of the sorority. Um, and then they have another friend um, called, I believe, uh, is it Kaylee? Kylie. Kylie, thank you, Sean. Uh, Kylie, who um, is like their third friend. Um, and then they, uh, like a lot of these frat and sororities, they join up with uh, sororities usually like um, uh, work together with a specific frat and vice versa. And so there's a frat, and this frat uh, includes uh, Bo, who's uh, one of her, um, oh, I guess the head of that frat, uh, Kylie, uh, not Kylie, I'm sorry, uh, Wes, who is uh, Ellery's brother and also uh, a fantastic uh, swim swimmer who may go be, you know make the olympics uh there's uh, malik who uh dates shailene uh he's part of that frat and then there's uh one other guy of note uh tad i think right tad uh, i don't think the, the, i don't think, think malik's he, part of the frat yeah he's not yeah, part I think of the he's frat. separate he's just a friend he's, because they're on the same swim team on the swim team yeah, uh, yeah and he's dating and he's dating the girl um shailene uh, yeah yeah, yeah, he's part of the sorority. All right, so he may not be part of the the frat, uh, but either way, he's always around because he's he's always with uh, Shailene, and he's also real good buddies with uh, Wes. Well, they're uh, on the they're on the swim team together, so I mean that's that's why. Right, right, yeah. Um, and uh, so it's it's basically um, initiation week. So I guess that's why the the film's called Initiation. And I think, if I'm not mistaken, am I wrong about this? That Kylie is trying to become a sorority sister, or is she already a sorority sister? She is. She's a sorority sister. She's just. Um, I don't know if she's a pledge, or she's a recent uh, initiate, like a recent member. Gotcha. Okay, it's because hard to, they, it's hard to say. Yeah, she gets. She's definitely a little sister. Um, yeah. But she could be a pledge or she could be a full member. It's hard to say from the way that the well, movie it. it. It seems like they make they, they treat her like she's a full member, but, you know, I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. So either she's way, either a very young, she's like either a very new member or she's still a pledge. Yeah. 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 I mean, yeah, she's definitely not part of the the um, leaders of the sorority, but, but she's friends with two of the leaders and they're very um, protective of her. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Um, so yeah, that's pretty much how the movie begins, which is it's initiation week, pledge week. And um, we meet all these characters. Um, and um, the first half hour, not half hour, but the first like 20 minutes or so of the film is basically pledge week. So uh, parties, uh, interaction. Basically, it's it's the big party, and then they use that big party to f give us backstory and fill us in with who all these characters are without really bad exposition. I don't. There was there's no like uh, exposition moments. It's more. It, it's pretty much well integrated the the way we learn who these people are. I think. I don't know what you guys feel about it because a lot of times you know you have your characters are either not uh, given big backstories and so you don't really care about them or there's too much of it 
where it's all just exposition moments and it's like you roll your eyes. Um, I felt it was more woven into the story much better this way. I thought it felt more natural in how it was, how they kind of, you know, get everybody involved in the process. So I I liked, like you were saying, there wasn't a whole bunch of like unnecessary exposition. It was just here are these people that kind of reveal themselves and you just kind of go with the story. So I liked that aspect of that. Yeah, I felt so too. Why don't you, Barrett? Yeah, I agree. I think it was uh, well woven into the story. You didn't get more than you needed. You got what you needed to know about each character and, you know, how some of these things would affect their life. Like, you know, he's a possible Olympic swimmer and that changes your view of him and, you know, stuff like that. It it just was well woven into the story. Gotcha. Yeah. Yeah. What about you, Kevin? Uh, pretty much what Barrett said. It's they didn't really need to go very much into the back backstory uh, when there was some backstory it was presented at a good time. It was presented at a, uh, at a relevant, when it was relevant. Yeah, I would agree. Um, and no. also, I mean, you're talking about likability. I mean, the, the main guy, Bo, um, he, he doesn't even, even out in public, you know, he just, he does not seem to be a very, he, he seems kind of the frat boy that, if he likes you, he's good to you. But if he doesn't care about you, he's a jerk. Yeah. You anyone know, who's been in a frat or rushed a frat knows somebody like him. <laughs> yeah. I, and so it's, it's more, yeah, he, he's not somebody I would want to hang out with. Um, but like the one guy, um, I don't remember. I think it's uh, Tad. I think his name was. Yeah. Tad. Uh, um, well, maybe not. Ta- I don't know. The the one that. Uh, boxed the I, door? The guy that boxed the door? No, the guy in the bathroom. The guy in the bathroom? That was Tad, wasn't it? Yeah. That was Tad? Okay. That was Tad. Yeah. Okay. That the was one Tad. that first had the metal mask? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> but then, you know, we. His, his final scene was in the bathroom. Oh, sorry. Spoiler. But. Um, Oh, I see. You're talking about that scene. Yeah, yeah, that's yeah, the same guy, Tad. Right, Tad, because I mean, he was, he wasn't particularly like he wasn't a leader, but I mean, you can tell that Bo liked him. He was okay with him, and, um, but I mean, you can tell he was not one of the leaders. He was just one of the guys. Sure, sure. And actually, he was also used because they also used him as a, uh, almost like a, a doorkeeper. Right. Yeah. Yeah. It was, it was curious. Um, Bo, the one scene that bothered me about Bo and even, even I guess the, the screenplay was uh, the story where they show Bo in the basement with all the frat boys. And he's, he's talking about, um, I got, you know, quote unquote, misogynistic terms and stuff. And I felt that was forced. That part was forced because they wanted us to know that, okay, this guy is uh you know, he, he just wants to bang every chick and all this other stuff. Um, so that felt a little um, too on the point and um, premeditated to make us feel a certain way for the character. Um, but yeah, I think they could have been more subtle in that. Sorry, yeah, I just wanted it, to agree with you. It could have been more subtle. Yeah, because <laughs> after that scene, um, even if, if he is kind of boisterous, as, as Kevin mentioned, he was generally a fairly decent guy. Or, or acted normal 
I should say, not decent guy, but acted normal um, for that type of character the rest of the film. Um, so that one scene, wanted they wanted us to know that, okay, this guy is, is a jerk. Um, because otherwise they wouldn't have had that in there, I don't think, unless they wanted to use yeah. it as a red herring, too. I well, and I think it would have been better to not have such a misogynistic Ah, misogynistic scene because you would have been more surprised with the later scene when they're upstairs in the bedroom if you didn't have that right exactly that's an excellent point yeah we'll, we'll discuss that scene in a little bit um so yeah out of all the characters i think tad was the one that i thought was the most disgusting because not only does he try to sell out his friend when the, the law enforcement begin to get involved, but also he, he's the guy, like, like Kevin said, he's, he's the doorkeeper. He's the, you know, so he's such a follower and he's just so slimy. It's I funny thought. that you see him as the worst. I was like, I actually like him better than the rest because yeah, he was the door blocker, but he, he was honest when they were asking him about Bo, but, you know, he, Bo did seem iffy at that point. He did come from around the side of the house. I was wondering myself about, you know, what's going on there. Um, yeah, but you know what? When when Bo comes in and he sees what he sees, his expression felt legitimate to me too. So I didn't think it would be him. But um, the thing that I think made me dislike Tad was when he is being truthful. Uh, the cops uh really puts him down uh uh officer uh, sandra fitzgerald played by yancey butler by saying you just watched the door yeah like, yeah oh, that was a God. great scene yeah yeah because yeah. like, yeah, that's when it really occurred to me i go oh this guy is a scumbag he's man? the person that is you know he, he drops dime on everyone so that they all get in trouble and he's the one that gets no time in jail you know yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> well not only that but i mean he was also the one i mean if you think about it, he's the one who didn't really participate. So he was kind of the one that was being used by the other fraternity brothers. Well, it's like you're actually, not the one. Only one of them was using him because the other one was plowed out of his mind. He didn't even yeah. remember. Okay, so, <laughs> so yeah, he was used not that by that the makes leader. it okay. I'm just saying. No, he didn't no, know absolutely what's going on. not. I'm just saying <laughs> that I'm just trying to be more more accurate about everything you said. But I mean, he does seem to be the one that's kind of used or the gopher or you know it's you know you're not you know as important as every as some of the other guys but you know but they still treat them they still treat them fairly well i mean they they don't you know they they don't throw him under the bus yeah yeah he's, he's not a loser he's just um not a leader either well and he gets along oh, no. well with uh bo west or West. Oh, West. Because yeah, he's they're roommates. roommates. Yeah, yeah they're roommates. so they're tight, from what yeah. I can tell. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, so let, let's talk about that bedroom scene, because uh, that's that's pretty much where the film begins. Should we say spoilers now? Yeah, let, let's throw out the spoiler. Um, I do want to talk about Ellery and Wes's uh, scene on the couch during the party, too, because that kind of comes back to what we see next but we're going to throw up the spoiler now so we're going to discuss and critique and review every part of the film that we think is worthy or interesting to talk about uh so uh you've been warned um now uh um basically what happens is uh 
is it Kylie? Is it that's the name, right? Kylie. Yeah. Sean, is it Kylie? Yeah, Kylie. Okay. Yeah. So Kylie uh, needs to go use the restroom. So they they say he used one upstairs for whatever reason. It's more private or something because everybody's downstairs partying on the first floor. Well, they they already got her to drink a bunch because they were playing that game with the ball or whatever. Yeah, and, yeah, that's uh, yeah. I forget what I forget what you. It was call like a that. beer pong type beer pong, pong kind of. It. Yeah, beer pong. Yeah. So um, eventually, uh, Ellery uh, is looking for her, and, and because they're they're heading out or something, and Kylie has disappeared, and so she decides to go get her. Um, and basically, what's going on is Tad is won't let her in, but she she says, you know, bullshit. You know, she's an important person because her brother's part of the fraternity and a possible future Olympic athlete. Uh, so, she, so Tad has to let her in, and basically Kylie's passed out on uh, Bo's or Wes's bed, and Wes and Bo are in there. She's the fully room. dressed, I might add. Yeah. Yes. So, that, so I honestly, you know what? I I did not believe anything bad happened until later in the film when they kind of eventually allude that and point towards that, that something bad did happen in there. But at this point, and for a good 10 to 20 minutes into the film, I, I just felt she was passed out. And, that's and that something because, bad was going to happen. They were yeah, getting possibly. ready to. Yeah. 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 That's a possibility. Yeah. So Kylie's a little pissed. I'm not Kylie. I'm sorry. Uh, Ellery is a little pissed. And so, yeah, that's pretty much the setup, and they get Kylie out of there. But we, who wants to talk about the Ellery and Wes's discussion on the couch where they're just hanging out talking about Dad and all this other stuff, but they're also talking about some other stuff that kind of allude to this moment and what's probably going to happen later into the film. Uh, who wants to well, I mean, they're they're sitting there on the couch. I mean, that this is kind of when we find out that they're they're brother and sister, um, because I mean, you don't really know until this, pretty much until this scene. And what happened is, is that she's got an Instagram account and she's showing stuff, like she's showing pictures of she's like smoking uh, marijuana or uh, sorry cannabis and all that sort of thing. And you know, and he's like, you know, dad's gonna, you know what is dad going to say when he sees that? And, you know, they're kind of going back and forth because they're trying to, I mean, their dad seems to be pretty concerned about their, their, their public image, you know, and pretty much the, this, uh, Wes is more like, you know, he, he's more concerned about me than he is you. Sean, what about you? Uh, what did you think uh, of the, the scene and, and what did you get out of this scene? Uh, specifically what Kevin mentioned, but also, uh, about, um, what happened a year prior and, and a few other things. I guess what I was feeling was when you kind of uh, get the idea that social media and the, the whole idea of what is on the surface matters more than what's <laughs> below the surface kind of thing that seemed to be so important, that conversation really means so much more once you see further into the movie and just see how everything is played on the level of it's always we got to have our best foot forward and we've got to look our best and you can't have any weakness or any anything like that. So it's just kind of interesting that what seemed, you know, just maybe it's just like a conversation between a brother and a sister means so much more as you go into the film. At least it felt that's how it felt for me. Yeah, that's actually a good point, because even yeah. um, as they're uh, talking and she's about to finally post a picture without the 
the joint. Um, she asked, "What what should I I um, title the you know and what should I blurb with with my uh, post? You know because again a lot of stuff uh, depends on um, image. You know I mean there's a big joke that happened uh, with the past 24 hours that Chloe Kardashian uh, mistakenly released a picture of herself at a pool party during Easter and it wasn't photoshopped and she's like she freaked out and she was going to sue anybody who posted the picture because again it it <laughs> her look like a pretty girl rather than the goddess that you know her photoshop photos do and so um yeah it's, as as we know uh in social media and instagram and all that uh definitely do um create um storylines about people and and everything you post whether it's fake or not whether it is something you, you don't want to post but you did on mistake or not um can either haunt you or make you look better than you really do because we know how these people uh post certain things and everybody thinks your life is perfect in, in reality it may not be as as we find out in uh, this film here, but Barrett, explain, talk about the, um, the exclamation point. Uh, that was mentioned during the IMDb wiki uh, thing, but what 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 is that all about? Because that plays an important part, not necessarily in the whole film, because it's not mentioned often, but it, it kind of is the theme of, of the mystery. Well, first I want to say something about the scene you just talked about. I think it was a really good scene because it shows how close she is with her brother. Um, and I thought that was really, really good and very important to the movie itself. Um, and another thing is that this movie does not come right out and say what people did. It shows you the assumptions everyone makes based on what they think they know. <laughs> and it shows you how things might not be true and might be true all at the same time. Um, and how things can just turn on a dime. Um, so on to the exclamation point, this is kind of leads into that. The exclamation point was to denote girls who were basically sluts in their words that you didn't want to associate with. Or, or did it mean that you may want to associate with, if you know what right. I mean. Right. Well, it, it was like they were the ruiners. <laughs> they were the ones that gave the exclamation point. So they didn't even see the irony of that, you know, they're they're giving that exclamation point based on what they're doing. Yeah, that's a, fair, <laughs> that's a fair point. Basically what it is is um, a lot of these girls that they hook up with, whether the girls just want to, get laid or not, or whether they think you're an honest man that may want a relationship with and they decide to be intimate with you. For the guys in this frat, that doesn't matter. All that matters is, can we get in, into her dress? And once we're in her dress, put up a picture with an exclamation point that, yeah, uh, she's been conquered and uh, it may be a quote-unquote hot ticket for someone else if if they so desire meaning that without actually coming out and saying um she puts out they put the exclamation point out instead and and as a result that can somewhat uh tarnish 
um, a woman's virtue in a sense. Um, well, and it's interesting because even by the end of the movie, I'm not a hundred percent sure what happened to her. And I think the movie wants you to not know. Right. And the, him, Bo, this basically sets off every event that comes after it, putting that exclamation point on that picture makes her believe that something happened first off, even if it didn't. Right. And so that sets everything in motion. It, it defines the movie. Um, now, when Ellery is discussing with Wes, her brother on the couch, various things, you know, about their father and social media and, and various other things, they bring up an incident that happened a year earlier that Wes may have been involved in that technically he was cleared of, or it just was dropped. Um, therefore, you know, all but quote unquote forgotten, depending on who remembers. Um, but it's, again, it's not spelled out a hundred percent, but you figure it out, which is he may have been in a situation where he took advantage of a girl who was under the influence of, either uh, drugs or, or alcohol and may have had unsolicited sex with this woman. Um, and the question is, I have for you guys is, do you think Ellery believed he didn't do it because he kind of says he didn't, or do you think she's just kidding herself? Or do you think he was innocent all along? Again, a scene later, we find out that he's in a room where Kylie's out cold, and so now you think, okay, maybe he is what happened a year before may have did happen, may have actually happened. But well, what do you think Ellery thinks? Well, I mean, for example, the year before, um, when they were talking about it, it was the very, it was almost an identical situation because you had a woman passed out, you had Wes also passed out, and neither of them remembered what happened. At least that's so, what I they mean, say. That's what well, say. I mean, Wes, Wes said, and Bo involved uh, Bo, somehow too. Bo was yeah. Bo was involved. <laughs> Wes was in, too. Well, like to say, let me finish. It's just the thing is, is that it, they they said Wes was passed out. He had no idea what happened. Um, that's what they you know, say. And, I'm still not convinced. And then, but. but the thing is, is that <laughs> I mean, there there were times through the movies that were where both. Um, hang on, try to remember her name, uh, Kylie. And Wes were both having kind of flashbacks, but they were all very hazy. So, I mean, it was like both of them were really try trying to remember what was going on because Wes was ex experiencing the same thing. He was experiencing the flashbacks as well, you know, try, and there was always it wasn't complete. It was in pieces. So, I mean, I think Wes really didn't know what happened. And it may have been that Bo kind of drug drugged or, or got them both pretty smashed. And when they woke up, I mean, when they both woke up, they're like, what the heck happened? And like I said, this happened the last year, like the year before, and it happened again. Um, but it's interesting because the sister, um, uh, Ellery, recognized the exclamation point. Right. Because you that know. was part of the year before, too. Right. But I yeah. like that ambig ambiguity because we, even at the end, don't really know what happened in either situation. You do know, the things you do know 
that the school officials were involved in making it go away. At least right. the first one. Yeah. Whether it was true or not, they helped make it go away, including everybody that was uh, official there. Um, and to such an extent that this girl didn't even want to go to anybody because she was like, I was drunk. What are they going to say to me? <laughs> you know? Right. So she right. didn't even but, feel Well, and, and she doesn't even and, – and that's the thing, too, that is interesting about this film, too, is it makes it look like she really doesn't even know – if she was taken advantage of, and we don't either, because again, like you said, Barrett, everybody still has their clothes on. It, it appears that no one had done anything yet. Maybe. And it didn't seem like there was time for them to get her clothes on and put in that position by the time she gets in there. <laughs> I'm just saying. Right, right. It, right. A, a different film, they would have shown a flashback later that this is what actually happened, or yeah. they would have showed her like you said, with her pants pulled down or, or something, but they didn't do that. And I think it was intentional, like you guys said, because they wanted us to know that Wes and Bo and Tad, no matter how much guilt they do have, they wanted us to know that they were at least suspect. And um, Kylie, not knowing, she just knows that she passed out makes it even more ambiguous because is she overreacting because nothing happened and she just passed out or was she drugged and was about to have been taken advantage of. And again, we don't know anything. And so she's just rem remembering now that, or at least been told that she was out cold in a room with two guys with no other people there. That's not good. Uh oh, I'm, uh, I'm, and she starts, you know, getting very upset because she may now think that I was taken advantage of. I don't know, but it it's, it looks that way. Um, Sean, what did you get out of those scenes? Did you think that, I guess if they didn't have the scene from the year before where they talked mm -hmm. about the year before, then it would be really ambiguous. But yeah. Because they talk about that scene before from the year before, it may it may point us to think a different thing. What do you think of Wes's guilt? I mean, more than say Bo or, or Tad. Uh, well, I think Wes was guilty from the first incident. Yeah. I do think he was, and I think it's kind of convenient where he's always I'm always passed out. Like right, that's right. the sequence, like uh, not to jump, but when he talks to his sister after, and he's like, "Oh, I went to bed at two thirty, and da 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 da," and like I passed out of my room. She's like, "No," like and calls right. him out on it, right? And it's right. Like scene, he's oh my god, yeah. Right. It's a go-to call. It's a go-to yeah. for him, right? Because he, like, he blatantly lied. He blatantly lied. He said I was passed and, out, and he right. was not to not to jump ahead again. But I think there's wow. a part where Tad was with the police, and he kind of talks about how Bo was pissed off. At what the trouble that Wes had caused the year before, and that he was right. looking to kind of get back at him. Yeah, well, so he you did. know that Bo was trying <laughs> yeah. to get him drugged and fucked up, yeah. right? And I think, yeah. So I, I thought they were very guilty. <laughs> I the thing that it was, and I know this is yeah, like where my mind went off on a tangent was I was thinking it was some kind of a ritual. <laughs> So I was kind of. Oh, that they were going to go like some. Yeah, that's fine. So that, that's where I kind of thought it was going first. And then, like, and it 
didn't, but that's kind of where I thought this was like, it's one of those kind of situations where they get someone, right. a victim, and then, you know, that kind of thing. So, um, but I thought, yeah, I thought the whole situation, the thing that I really liked was that they kept it ambiguous and they didn't show you need more than you needed to see for right. all this stuff, whether it was the, the, the kill scenes or anything like that. I, that's what I really liked is because I can make enough horrible stuff in my mind as it is. Mm-hmm. I don't need to see the, the, the actual, you know, second by second, blow by blow of it. So right. I thought that and, was really and, and well. This, this wasn't really that type of film anyway, right? No. And I'm glad, yeah. I'm glad for that. <laughs> yeah. I think there's only really one hugely gruesome scene and it's basically the finding of Wes Everything yeah. else is kind of somewhat off camera. You hear the effects. Ugh, ugh. They, you know, I thought the, uh, they did a good job with that, right? Like of doing yeah. the way they shot and filmed the different sequences. And just like, as you say, even with just like the, when they're trying to remember what happened, but by the way they shot it, it really did make it so incoherent. It's like, you're trying to figure out what's really happening. And I thought that was really well done because in other movies, it could be too overdone right mm-hmm. where it just becomes ridiculous so or a parody of what it's trying to do so i thought that was really good so but yeah from and that sequence of that in that room i thought for sure there was they were guilty <laughs> well and it's funny because you know those scenes would be incoherent to you if you were that drunk or drugged you, you, that's what you would get are flashes that you seem to remember something bad happened, but I'm not quite sure. But human memory is also prone to, you know, not be reliable as well. And I think yeah. those scenes were showing that, you know, unreliable. Right. Well, uh, two things that uh, I want to bring up. One was, again, uh, Sean's excellent point that Wes was blatantly lying, like blatantly lying because her his sister had text to say, dude, I, t- I texted you here. This is when you responded. You weren't passed out. You're lying. So that, well, I do want to say about that. You, as someone who has blacked out, you might think you went to bed at one thirty, <laughs> and, and you did, but then but, you did a bunch of stuff afterwards that you don't but, remember. Yeah, that's fair. Cause I, I've taken my contacts out when I was, this but, is when but, I was way young, but, taking my contacts out and not remember but, doing it. But, <laughs> But he 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 says during that conversation with his sister that he goes, yeah, yeah, I saw all your texts. I know when I, you know, and so in other words, he's admitting that he read all our texts, meaning he knew when she sent him and all that and that he had responded. So you would have think he would have said, you know what? I was so drunk. I don't even remember responding to you, but he doesn't. He just lies and says, I, I didn't. And then she calls him out on it and he goes, Oh yeah, yeah. Uh, well, I, I don't know. You know. Well, at this point, the admitted... exclamation point was out, right? <clears throat> yeah, 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 that's true. So he already knew the trouble that was coming, and he knew what Bo did to him. So he's trying to get behind it at this point and try and lie and do whatever he has to do to not look like yeah. the bad guy. Also, also, I think even though he's not the leader, Bo Bo's the leader. Um, the, there's a thing where he knows he's more important than Bo. Um, uh-huh. Because, you know, well, for example, it's, it's like if three people break into a house and one of them is the high school quarterback, the two buddies of his, they don't give a rat's ass about. But the high school quarterback that's going to be going to Stanford, we can't we can't get him in trouble. What are we going to do? Oh, my God, it's the high school quarterback. What are we going to do? So 
he is the high school quarterback, Wes, because he is the a future Olympic uh, swimming, you know, uh, guy. So that's going to represent you know, USA or Canada or wherever the hell this one's supposed to take place. And the other two guys, Tad and Bo, may be liked and important in you know that community, but they're still nobodies. Yeah, the- they're a little field. They're important, yeah. <laughs> but. Wes is in the news. He's slated for the possible Olympics. He is, he's big time. And he, unfortunately he knows it. Yeah, exactly. That's the problem is he knows exactly that fact that he's the golden boy and he's the one who can do whatever he wants because he's got this amazing talent and skill in swimming. So it gives him that. washed away once. Yeah. Why can't it be done again? Yeah, and like right. you, know, you get that down later down in the movie too, with the the whole thing with how the school handled stuff and just that whole thing. Like everyone is riding his coattails, so of course they're not going to. If it's going to take the money or food from their plate, that's that's not what they want, right? They want to protect the the meal ticket for them. So you, right. you get that, and he it would be one thing if he was oblivious to it, but that's where I think he's guilty. And the fact is, he knows who he is. And, he, and just in how he deals with other people around him and his different things down the road, like in the movie or, you know, later in the movie, you see how he thinks about people. Everyone is just like, a you know, I would, to me, it felt like he, he was a narcissist in the sense that everyone's just a thing to be used along the way for his, his big goal. That's how it felt to me. I agree with you to an extent, but there is a point where Bo is saying, hey, you going out with us? And he's distinctly mad at Bo. I really think that this whole thing was cooked up by Bo to, to really hurt him. And the, the year before may have been true, but I don't know that he necessarily did anything in this particular case, aside from, you know, he's just a douchebag. <laughs> well, Fair enough. well, you know, you know, the, the, the sad thing is, is that even though this is a fictional movie and they're using a future Olympic swimmer it's so realistic because as as folks who follow football know and i I think you do sean yeah uh uh the tampa bay buccaneers a few years ago drafted number one overall one of the most villainous people i ever felt played uh football james james winston you know what i'm talking about yep qb right and he when he was in college, um, he, the rumor is is that he sexually assaulted, uh, which you can, you know, understand what that means. Um, and, it, and the school washed it away intentionally to cover up, and the police did, and all this other stuff. Uh, and he, it was Florida State. And there's a documentary that you can watch on I think CNN made it, but it's it's on Netflix and various other places called The Hunting Grounds. And it's about um, sexual assault in college uh, and specifically athletes and whatever. And there's a whole section where they interview uh, his accuser. Um, and yet he still was drafted number one. He still had a career. He's still playing now as a backup for the, at least he was last year for the Saints. And and so these athletes 
like in this movie, get things washed under the rug to protect them because they draw money for the school. They draw uh, notoriety, positive notoriety to the school. And also, if they find out that he, they are dirtbags like Winston is, or in this case, Wes, then the school looks bad too. Plus, it could make people who are employed, including coaches as well as faculty, um, lose their jobs for being stupid for covering it up in the first place. So, um, oddly, this film, even if it is just a quote-unquote stupid slasher film... Um, it's pretty smart. Yeah, it's pretty smart. It, it actually mirrors r- real-world situations. And well, and it's interesting It's probably one of the best. Yeah, the dean is going to even protect the sister after he's dead because he doesn't want it to hurt the school's reputation, or Wes's even, for that matter. What do you mean, dead? Wes is dead. He's meeting with her because she's got that she did the DNA gotcha, check. Gotcha, gotcha, gotcha. And he's still protecting. He's still saying, hey, we'll be all right. You shouldn't have done this, but, you know, right, this well, could ruin your family. It could ruin the school. It could do this and that. So he's still in cover-up mode. Right. And I'm sure he doesn't care about her. He, all he cares no. about is the school. All yep, he yeah, cares well, about is the school. <laughs> well, 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 let's, let's talk about um, that. So basically what happens is Kylie sleeps, you know, so she was drunk and all that the night before. So she stay, even though she has her own apartment, she's going to stay at the sorority house for the night. Uh, she leaves the next morning and all angry and depressed. She's telling Shailene that she, she's really worried that she was assaulted sexually. And, but she forgets her, her uh, shorts from the night before, her Daisy Dukes. So Ellery, who is going for um, some sort of science degree uh, at college, she takes the, the shorts and notices the, the blue dress incident. Right, she yeah. she finds yeah. things on it similar to Bill Clinton's blue dress thing, so <laughs> she brings it to the lab to do a DNA sample. And when she does it, she uses her own blood because, or the point is, is she wants to see if the DNA matches someone her. If it does, then she knows it's her brother that did something. So, first of all, if there is semen on her Daisy Dukes. Kylie's Daisy Dukes, and Kylie doesn't remember having intercourse that night or anything that night. It shows that she was assaulted in some yep. way. Yep. Meaning, even if they didn't take her pants off, they jerked off yep. on top of her or something. Yep. Uh, not to sound gross, I apologize, Kevin, but I mean that's what's happened. No, so, I know, I know, I get it. Um. So what happens is we find out later in the film. Sure enough, the DNA matched her brother, meaning her brother did do something terrible. And so when the she gets caught working after hours in the lab by Tyler, Tyler has the hots for her. But Tyler also is the straight student who has to go by the book. So he tells, you know, his, his he's a he, douche. It's <laughs> just yeah. like well, no, the other guys. Just, well, actually, when I saw him, I thought, OK, creepy guy. Yes. I mean, well, it's a Tyler. Tyler is a guy that he's not. I don't think he's a jerk. I just yeah, think I that either. he is very. Um. Uh, he has a problem with being social. He's very uncomfortable in his own skin. He tries to be nice to her. He's. I mean, he is technically he is nice to her. 
he say, he brings by flowers, you know, he's, you know, at first you think, all right, this guy's kind of stalker, but no, he's just, she's just trying to be nice. He's trying to be friendly. You know, he offers to walk her home, not be, I mean, he is interested, but also he is actually trying to help. But the thing is he is socially awkward and, he, and it's like he feels uncomfortable in his own skin and he just has a really tough time relating. And so he comes off as very creepy. And I think even, um, well, what was her name? Um, the, uh, forgot her name already. The Shailene's, you know, actually out and out just called him creepy guy. Right. Yeah, no. And, and that's a fair point. Uh, I, I, I'm more with you, Kevin, than with, with Barrett's opinion on the guy, but either way, um, he I just didn't was, like him. Sorry. That's which is fair. <laughs> um, so he, uh, reports that she was working extra hours. And so they find out that she was working and using the equipment, uh, illegally, because again, it, it costs the school money when she does experiments and uses all the chemicals and all this other stuff. And so she is brought in and she, Rather than covering it up and lying, she just comes out and says, what I did, I, I wanted to see if I found these shorts. They're Kylie's. Kylie's very concerned about possibly being sexually assaulted. I wanted to find out, you know, the blue dress thing I did. It's my brother's. And at first you think that, that Dean is going gonna, is gonna to say, why didn't you, you know, he says, why didn't you come to us first, whatever. And then she brings up the fact that, well, something happened last year that kind of washed away with my brother. And Kylie obviously wasn't sure. You know, they, she basically thought they were going to just blow her off. Like a lot of these young women or any woman for that matter who are attacked, um, like Jameson Winston, who was uh, some woman claimed she was attacked and uh, she was ignored. Um, so he says, well, it's, you know, basically he says that we're going to, like you said, what, Barrett, what did she, he say you're, after the brother's dead was we'll cover it up. Don't worry about it. We'll make sure that this doesn't get out and all that. And yeah, right. we'll basically right. well, hide all this. And I was confused with Ellery's reaction because, okay, that may be all fine, but still it all comes down to what Kylie wants to do. Because Kylie hasn't ever said to Ellery, I'm not going to report it or I'm giving up. She could still go to the campus police or the regular police and say I was sexually assaulted. But she doesn't know about the DNA test at this point. And basically, right. he is kind of threatening her when he says, you know, this could ruin your family. This could do this. This could do that. And yeah, the, you the use memory. resources that you weren't supposed to. So th I'll just... I'll make this go away. These pants will disappear. This test will disappear. <laughs> That's kind of what I got out of it. Yeah. Very much sense. so. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. So he played, played a, uh, a bad guy because at that, uh, prior to that point, I, I didn't expect him to be the cover up guy. That's why he's eventually killed. Wouldn't you say? Because the other guy's not. But he is. Yep, that was exactly what I thought. Right, right. So, um, let's let's start talking about um, killer. Yeah, the killer and all that. Um, <laughs> and it was interesting too because um, certain people were being picked off, 
including people that you think that may be the killer. And then certain people oddly felt like they weren't going to be picked off. Uh, who wants to talk about the whole beginning of the, the murders? Oh, man, I love that first scene because he blocks all the exits. And he just conveniently grabs the mask that's there and uses that as his gimmick, which I love. Hey, this this look at this metal this metal mask. I like this. This looks good. And he has the neat little um, uh, drill, <laughs> not drill. Uh, I don't know. It's he uses it's like these a, huge. What was that? It's like, like a, a screwdriver. Gun. Yeah, it's like a screwdriver, but it, it's big one. It's called, <laughs> well, it's called a percussion screwdriver. Um, Love it. Actually, I mean, the thing is, is that it has an attachment so that instead of it, uh, they're not screws, they're bolts. Yes, bolts. Yep. And yeah, it's like, <laughs> a, yeah. But he makes sure that he incapacitates first and then he uses those, which well, is what I like. He like, looks like he kills him first. And then, um, well, it's like, I mean, some of it, it's like he kills him. And then he drill, then he, you know, <laughs> screws him to something or um, he screws him to something and then he kills him. Either way, it's it's not a pleasant experience. Yeah. Wes got it. Got the drill bits first or the bolts first. Yeah, he, and did. he got killed because we got to hear him scream. <laughs> yeah, uh, it was interesting, too, because I actually thought he was going to be the, the murderer. You know, even though there wasn't uh-huh. any yet, you knew this was a slasher film. Um, so I thought he was going to be the bad guy. But no, and they kill him off quick when I thought he was going to be the co-lead with his sister, too. Um, But, you know, a lot lot of slasher films, um, they don't use guns. Um, You know, they're they're always known for using some sort of handheld weapon. And and this one, it was the 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 interesting screwdriver. What what, what is it called again, Kevin? Uh, I think it's called a percussion. Yeah, a percussion screwdriver. So he uses that. But because of who eventually we determine or find out who the murderer is, it makes sense that he, he would use these type of weird weapons rather than or handheld weapons rather than a gun. So unlike a lot of slasher films that you watch from the eighties or wherever, like why don't they just use a gun and blow people's brains out or shoot them in the leg and capacitate them and then torture them. Um, here, there's actually a reason why guns aren't used um, because as we know, guns can be traced, uh, by ballistics and all these other things. And the killer may be smart enough to know that, uh, rather than, um, want to use a gun because of, you know, the easy traceability of a registered, uh, firearm. And bolts so, hurt more. <laughs> now, um, let's see, um, so yeah, I was gonna uh, say it was. Yeah, go on, Kevin, please. I, mean, I was gonna uh, say it was just cool how he took down Wes, where he went for the arm first, and then you know went and finished the job. It was interesting how he kind of targeted different parts of the body and his different his different kills. I thought that was kind of interesting. Well, he hit him and in the back kind of first, stuff. right? In the spot. Yeah, but he got him the under hammer. the arm. He, yeah, with the hammer, and then with the arm, just like under the arm. Yeah, with, with, the, he, with the knife or something. Yeah. The oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. And then, the, like, how he got the other guy with the hand and stuff. Like, it was, I thought it was just neat how he kind of targeted instead of just, like, being all over the place. Right. Like, it was, like, strategic strikes. Yeah. 
Yeah, yeah so he could incapacitate them as fast as possible and then do what he wanted. Right, right. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Um, yeah, and, and as as the deaths occur, um, and also the death, it's interesting too, because when the deaths do occur, they they don't know about the second death, even when the third death occurs. I don't think, but the the interesting thing is is that the people that are beginning to get knocked off are the frat boys. So once the the three frat boys, basically um, Wes and then Tad and then Bo, are, are all taken out, you begin to wonder, okay, so who is the murderer then? Is it is it Kylie because she thinks she was raped by those three guys? Is it you know, Shailene, Shailene, maybe, uh, is it, is it, um, Tyler, the, the socially awkward person that, that, uh, Barrett you and, uh, didn't like too much. Um, or was it some other person or a red herring or whatever? I mean, obviously when West dies, they try to make it look like it was Bo. And then when Tad dies they made it try to look like Bo again so and then, but then when Bo dies it's like okay now who really is the murderer so what what made you decide early Barrett to, that it was who you thought it was he was acting hinky that's all I can say there were just his scenes seemed like he was tentative and yet I don't know I just I had this distrust of him immediately Interesting. Because my uh, thought was it wasn't one of the sorority girls because some of the things that the murderer was doing, like moving a couch, okay, those women could not do it on their own. I mean, it's it's not right. You know, right. We understand. Portray- we understand that you're not saying it as uh, a sexist. You're making a, a normal point, which is these girls were petite girls. Right. I mean, no some of the things to move up. Uh, those, what are those type of bed? Uh, those well, bed couches. Those yeah, I bed couches. But the thing is, is that not only that, but I mean, this guy, this, the, the murderer was also able to hold a guy up with one arm and then drill and, you know, using the other one. <laughs> I true. mean, let's just face it. I mean, I'm not exactly a weakling, but I couldn't do that. I couldn't either. And when you saw the killer, it couldn't have been a woman. I mean, they were just too large, physically yeah. too wide, too whatever. I mean, no so breasts. I knew it had to be a guy, but. Right, right. Yeah, yeah. The yeah, second I mean, he was introduced, I was like, he's he's the guy. He's right. the guy. See, the yeah, thing you, is, you, I thought it was either the, uh, the police officer or Malik. Because was, both were in very good shape and neither. Which and police Malik officer? would. Which the police thing officer? Was, which police the, officer? The, the Martinez. Oh, okay. So you thought it was Martinez or Malik? Go on. Yeah, Martinez or Malik. And then I thought, because I thought Malik, because he was big, he was strong. I mean, you can. Uh oh. Did we lose Skype? I think we lost uh, him. I think yeah, we, we lost, lost him. him. All right. Let me let me pause it until we'll see what happens here. <clears throat> okay. So uh, Kevin, uh, internet just literally just went poof so he's going to be trying to get back on but he told us to continue uh talk to him through uh he was telling too much truth yeah through cell (laughs) too much truth (laughs) 
Yeah, well, let's talk about Malik a little bit. Malik, that's a good point. Malik again is, is dating Shailene. Uh, he has a, a big fight with uh, Wes earlier in the film because Wes uh, is doing a half-assed job at swimming practice. Uh, though it could be because he has other things to worry about, like possibly getting charged with sexual assault. Um, and so uh, Malik confronts him and says, you know, if you're going to be this way, whatever, you should quit. And and Wes really puts him down good. And I, I felt Malik deserved it, you know, because you have a bad day, you have a bad day. Uh, but he says, if I quit, you're not good enough to become point. Because it wasn't, I mean, Malik was being a dick, even if Wes is a scumbag character. Well, it didn't Uh, start out that way, I don't think. I I think think he, he, yeah. I think he had his best interest at heart. It just turned into one of those mano a mano, you know, guy against guy things, as, because they are competing. There is a top slot on a swim team, and Malik doesn't have it. So it turned into, yeah, it turned into that. Um, but I think at first he was well-intentioned and then yeah, it yeah, turned. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Basically he was, he was trying to say, you know, what's it wrong, buddy? You know, this, but stop drinking so much. You're always, yeah. Yeah. But when, out. He's, when he's saying that shit, that's when, um, it went downhill quick because, um, you know, I mean, there wasn't enough to really have us know what really is going on, but I mean, it was it was frat week, you know. Maybe who knows if he really drinks all the time or if it's just that one time. Well, and but, I think this scene also shows that Wes isn't completely one dimensional. Like, yes, he knows that he's the golden boy, but I also think he's starting to disrespect the adults that treat him that way. Like he's he's not caring about himself. He's not caring about the adults and how, you know, what they think, like when the coach comes to him and he's just like, whatever, you know, cause the coach and the coach is mad when he leaves. Right. Um, I just think Wes is at that point that a lot of athletes get into where they just don't care anymore. You know, I think he felt self-destructive is what it felt like to me. Yeah. Yeah. Very like he was at the, like, like he's got so much pressure on him and maybe he doesn't really buy into it. But there's also the aspect of all the benefits he gets from it. Right. But I think it just feels like, yeah, just, and that's where it felt like that self-destructive streak where he's like cutting off things and, you know, like almost sabotaging himself in a way. Right. Yeah. And, yeah. Because, because if I can interject for a second and then you can follow up, Sean, which is this movie's kind of alluding to the fact that um, Wes may be doing swimming because he's good at it and he loves it. But I think he's smart enough to know the corruption of college sports where it's it's more he's just a commodity for them to to get money to do this and all that. And all in all, it, sure, it can be a lot of money for him or fame or whatever. But again, it's not like he's curing cancer or something. He's just a friggin sport you know big deal you know you get these people uh that that do the sports which is awesome but again you know they they win a trophy but okay how does that help anybody else here i mean it gives us pride because oh our favorite team won but again it's just sports it means nothing so maybe he's to the point where like you said it's 
like he's self-destructing on purpose because he's just sick and tired of the bullshit of how he knows it's all just fake. Even if he's great and the competition's real, the whole system, the establishment of the sports uh, lifestyle, especially in college, is just a crock. Again, I'm not saying that's true, but that maybe. Yeah. But people say that, and it, it is a valid point, point. And I'm just bringing it up. But I think that's good because it goes with just the depth of what all these different things that are running within the movie, and that like these actual like real societal questions in regards to like you were pointing out, like who are our heroes? Mm-hmm. Uh, the heroes should be the doctors and the nurses and the people who are on the front lines and protecting us and keeping us safe and, and that kind of stuff. But it's the, the, the sports heroes and the Hollywood actors or actresses, or whatever, right. That are all the ones that are put on the pedestal. And it's just that, you know, again, very superficial in regards to how our society looks at things. Right. Or at least that's kind of something that I kind of was thinking about from that. So you're bringing up your point, Philip only like really makes it that much more poignant to me, I guess. Sure. And I have to say, I think based on what you said, Philip, I think that that's part of the reason he gets mad at Malik, because I think he feels like after he just got chewed out by the coach, here's another person that sees him as a commodity. Cause, cause you know, yeah, Malik, I think was well-intentioned, but that's never how it would look to Wes because Wes is the golden boy. And what does he think? You know, why is he telling me what to do? Who does he think he is? <laughs> that, that's actually a fair point too, because yeah, even though um, he, he may have come to him at first to be helpful, you could argue unconsciously Malik's there also um, because he's part of the team and I want my team to win. And if you don't, if my team doesn't win, and it's Wes, your fault for doing it. Bleep you! And and Wes is like, what the hell? I, I, I mean, okay, I'm, I I may be the best on the team, but why am I um, having the burden of the shoulders for everybody else? And then there's exactly nobody yep. named Malik who who thinks he's great is pissed at me when you know you carry your own goddamn water. Don't bother me. And he's like, probably like, okay, we we lost by three seconds. What if each person, other person on this team, got that one second? Right. Why do I have to carry the three? (laughs) That's a really good point. Exactly. So, so just because you're better, or I'm better in in Wes's case, that still doesn't mean that even if I'm the best, but everybody else sucks, we're not going to win. So. Why are you looking at me when maybe you should be picking up your own weight? And if, if your own weight isn't even half of mine, then you have nothing to say to me because I could, just, like you said, I could just quit and then you guys are nothing. Right. You know, it's like, it's like, it almost, yeah. It almost gets into like how he it was says practice. Like... What, what are you talking about practice? You know, you remember that big thing when Allen Iverson for the Philadelphia, uh, they were complaining because he skipped the practice. He goes, the guy's, first of all, the best. He doesn't need practice. And and then they're complaining to him, the reporters, and, and he just flips out on him. He goes, you're, you're arguing with me about practice? Come on. You know, and again, if he wasn't Allen Iverson, they would have never asked him that question. But because he's Allen Iverson, 
they're complaining him, and yet it's not his fault the team sucks because he's doing everything good on the court in the first place. But it's, right? it's like the difference with uh, Michael Jordan, right? Where Michael Jordan's, you know, best in the world, but then he holds everyone around him accountable, right? The practice yeah, yeah. isn't just – and that's the difference, like, between him and Iverson, right? Where Iverson, yeah, like, I'm the best. I don't need to have practice. Whereas Jordan's like, you have to have practice because that's how you build success, right? And so just that kind of mentality of – in you know, when you're approaching things is like was Wes approaching the practices like I don't really need to practice because I'm the best and I know I'm the best or is it a situation where like I need to you need to help you know how um, hold everyone accountable in this process like you were saying and with the thing like I can't just be the team you all have right. to contribute something yeah right right so Wes has this extra feeling where they're all pointing at him and it's like, okay, but I'm just one member of the team, even if I'm the best. It's like you said with Michael Jordan, Michael Jordan wants everybody else around him to be awesome too. Okay. I know you're not going to be as awesome as me, but I still need you to be awesome. And, 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 you know, in Wes's eyes, Wes is looking at Malik as not being awesome enough. And yet he's complaining about Wes because he had a bad day. Well, and then it gets even when he gets home to the frat house and Bo is like, you're not going to take part in the fun day. And he's like, and he's like, what's wrong with you? And he's like, I wonder what's wrong with me. (laughs) You just screwed me with this exclamation point. (laughs) I'm going to bed. (laughs) So everybody's undermining him at this point. Or at least, at least in his eyes. In his eyes. Yeah, exactly. Bo actually is, but. Well, actually, I don't know if Bo actually was because when they, when Ellery went into the room, he wasn't passed out. He was still. Yeah, but Bo passes him his phone. Yeah. Here's your phone. Oh, you're, you're right. It's Make a, sure you phone. take your cell phone. <laughs> right. It's, it's, instead of instead of putting it on his own phone, he puts it on Wes's. That's a good point. Yeah. Now, uh, um, Kevin's back. So we're talking I, about the, the Malik, the Malik, and and how they had that big argument. Uh, after the swim meet, so it makes us wonder if Malik is um, angry with Wes. So you know, if Wes gets killed, it, you could point to Malik. But you said something offline, Kevin, to me, which is Malik pops up every so often in the movie, but unlike the other lead actors in the film, he disappears a lot, and that mm-hmm. made you, Kevin, think maybe it is him because whenever all these things happen, he's always disappeared. Well, I mean, there's one spot when I think during one of the murders, it's like before um, before it became public, it's like somebody discovered it and they they and the I think Shaheen or Shaheen calls calls up and he says, oh, yeah, sorry, because he said I will be there to pick you up or something like that, or I'll be there after practice. And then all of a sudden he doesn't show up and he said, oh, yeah, you know, they, they kept us late. You know, he, he it's like he was conveniently out. You know, right. he was conveniently out of the picture. And so he always tried to have some sort of alibi, whether it's true or not. Right, exactly. So that's why I was thinking it could have been him. Of course, then my thought was it's because my thought was. Well, why? I mean, the motive, like, why would he? But like my whole thought was if it was him, it could have been like it was his sister or it was his 
you know, ex-girlfriend or whatever. Oh, from that, a year ago. That was the last year. Right. But, you know, because my, my next question is, is that how did the, the Martinez, the police officer who was Heidi's father, how did he find out what happened even when Heidi wasn't even sure? You mean, you mean Kylie? 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 All right. Sorry, Kylie. When Kylie wasn't even sure what happened. Well, that's weird, too, because we didn't even know Kylie was the daughter of Martinez. Right. They, they don't no. tell you. Yeah. The thing is, if they did. But the thing is, that's just it. If they did tell you that Martinez was her was her father, then you would instantly think, oh, yeah, well, it's him. Right, right, right. Well, and, and that's interesting, too, the casting, because um, the actress that plays Kylie um, she's originally from Columbia, but, um, you know, and, and technically, um, th therefore she would be, uh, I guess, Latino or Hispanic and, um, Martinez, he actually has a last name in the movie as Martinez, which is a Latin name or, or a Spanish name. And he does certainly look Latino, but Kylie, um, I'm, I'm white or Caucasian. But I'm darker than Kylie looks. You know, Kylie's from Columbia, but I'm way darker than her. So I would have never guessed that that actress was a Colombian actress. Never mind, the character was supposed to be Latino. So I would have never got that she was the daughter of Martinez until they say it at the end of the film. So by not saying it, as you said, Kevin, if they had said it, it would have been a red flag right off the beginning that, okay, it's Martinez right from the beginning. Everybody would have got it. Not just, well, and it's, it's funny because I didn't get that she was his daughter, but I did. He was my main suspect the whole way through. I never got pulled away by a red herring. I, I thought it was him from right when he enters to the very end. Right. It, it's just weird. It's just what, you know, sometimes you get a movie like that. I don't know why. He was on my suspect list the whole time. I just wasn't absolutely positively sure it was him because, like I said, I I wanted to know the motive. I mean, a motive is a big thing because, well, I knew this was against the fraternity itself because there's always some dumbass reason to kill a bunch of people. Well, no, because <laughs> Apple, uh, the, the one, okay, the, the people that, all the people that were killed were all from the fraternity. You get the one guy, uh, Dylan, was it Dylan? Yeah, no, not Dylan. Um, the creepy guy. Tyler. Tyler, that's it, Tyler. Tyler was knocked out. You know, in other words, he got knocked out. He wasn't killed. He was knocked out. Why? I mean, if the killer was just going around just killing people. Why didn't he kill? Why didn't he kill Tyler? And all you he know? did with Tyler was he restrained him. Right. Because he wasn't involved him. at all. Well, yep. no that's the point. That's why I figured it had to be right. something against the fraternity because the only people because that he were, didn't, he didn't kill Tyler. Right. He didn't kill Tyler. And then when he, even when he saw the girls, he at one point said, Hey, I mean, he actually spoke. He said, Hey, you know, and then, you know, it was obvious that he was not after the girls. He was, you know. I felt he, like by the time of the, once you see what's put on the doors to keep the doors from opening in that place, 
that oh, yeah. to me really pointed heavily towards him. Even if I didn't think it was him before, at that point, I'm like, okay, who's going to have those and who's going to think of those to keep the door shut? Well, you know, I mean, uh, uh, we need to talk about Kevin. He did it in, in that movie and, and he wasn't a cop, right? So, No, I know. Based on the other characters and who they are and what we know about them, I couldn't have seen like Tyler coming up with that. Yeah, and then of and course I, he's also one of the people that finds it. But right, well, you know. right, right, right. Well, once <laughs> once you see the dean get it, you knew Tyler was innocent because yeah, he he wasn't he wasn't the guy which is a great asked. scene. I love that running at him, yeah. and he uh, holds also, his own for a while too. Oh uh, yeah, that's true. Yeah, that was awesome. I thought he was going to win. Um, but the other thing too is I still wasn't didn't think it was Martinez because. Uh, he was going after Sh- Shailene, but that I shouldn't have thought. But he that didn't kill her even when he could have. He didn't kill her. When, he had her. Could have killed that's her true, at that point. True. But true. she gets away because he doesn't kill her. Right, right. But also, you know, even a cop can be a, a psychopath. So, oh yeah, it shouldn't, it shouldn't have been something that make me think that. Um, he wasn't the murderer because, again, anybody could have been the murderer throughout the film. Um, let me ask you, uh, Sean, did you think it was a cheat that we find out that Martinez is the father of Kylie and should it have been known earlier? Because in reality, when he's interviewing Ellery and all this, you would think he says, oh, I'm, I'm, I'm Kylie, you know, your friend Kylie's dad, you know, and he's, she's part of your fraternity. You may know my daughter, but he doesn't do any of that. So do you think it was kind of a cheat? Yeah, like I think you guys said it before. It's like if if there had been any actual way to tie him as Kylie's dad, then that would have shifted the whole perspective of what was happening. But with the fact that they never until the end revealed that at that point that he's her dad, there was nothing to tie him there. So it felt like it was kind of like there's a reason they didn't tell any or release anything. So it kind of felt like a cheat in the in the way. But well, I mean, he's- I still. He's never in the same room with her with it, right? up until the yeah. end, right? He's never in right. the same room with but her. Like the, like, but like I said. But like with Phil saying about uh, with him talking to Ellery, you would think that that would come up. Ah, but he already, was, he's talking to Ellery after he's already killed Wes, so his plan is there. So he's not going to let her know. No, but I mean, it would. I would have thought it would have been that would have been the one time where they would have revealed to the audience that they knew him as her father, right? Right. right. That's, and, what and, I'm, and he's not, that's what I'm saying. And he's not, and he's not I got stupid. You. He's not stupid, right? Because even though he killed Wes, and he knows he's, he's talking to Wes's sister, he knows he, uh, Ellery and everybody else isn't stupid to, that they're, not, they're eventually going to find out that uh, Kylie is her his daughter. So you figure he would have just came out and go, hey, uh, my my daughter's in your fraternity. You must know Kylie. You know, and he doesn't do any of that. Well, I figure at the end, that's when he's trying to say to them, "I'm not going to hurt you. I'm not going to hurt you." Right. And right, right. that is him. Like he's 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 letting them know who he is, and because they're going crazy on him. But, but it he felt had that to. reveal was too late, though. It felt like right. he was running down the hall. Like he could have taken his mask off. Right. Much earlier than waiting to get into a fight and then being stabbed before he's like, oh, it's me, it's me, it's me. 
Right. The only reason he wouldn't take a mask off is he doesn't want his face filmed because everywhere is filmed nowadays, right? So you figure he, he may may not want to take his mask off, but he could have screamed. He could have screamed. Because a lot, a lot of the cameras there. don't have of audio some cameras do but most don't and he goes hey it's 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 martinez it's your dad or something but also there was no way he he was going to get away with it now if he gave if he let them know because he killed ellery's brother and even if west was a rapist ellery still loves loves her brother because it was her brother well so, and it's probably the only gap in the in the movie because even if he was going to leave them and not kill any of them, yeah, eventually that was going to come out. And he had a lot of time to tell them who he was, like you said, Sean. While he was in there, he had already taken out Tyler. He had killed the Dean. And Shailene had already escaped. So there were only two people left, right? I mean, right. and it was the two people he didn't want to hurt. Well, so he should have just come clean then. I mean, the guy could have just left. Yeah. He did. I mean, why didn't he? Why did he chase? Actually, I had two questions. One of them I texted Phil while I was trying to reconnect. Um, one, I mean, the question I have is, why didn't he just say, you know, it's like, okay, I killed those two guys. All right, I'm done. And he could have just left. Right. And yeah. that would have that would have been it, and no one would have known that it was him. Two, how? I mean. This is going to sound like a crazy question, but why did he start killing in the first place? Because even uh, Kate, Kylie, uh, I keep on forgetting her name. Kylie wasn't even sure. And she wasn't talking about it. She says, I don't want to talk about it. So, I mean, yeah, OK. Her dad knew that she was at a fraternity house late or, you know, she spent the night at the sorority house. You know, but I mean, she didn't go home and say, Dad, I think I was raped or anything like that. She might have. We don't know that. Well, the thing is, she said he was going to be so mad, like she was going to go talk to him. So I assumed that he did. Well, my whole thought was, oh, my father's going to kill me. Like, oh, I'm staying at a I'm I'm at a fraternity party. No, this was after she had been attacked, uh, thought she had been attacked and she was going to have to go home and talk and face him. Well, I thought it was more like I stayed out late, I got drunk, you know, because, I mean, she didn't want to talk to about it with other women, you know, let alone her own dad. So, I mean. Oh, so so do you think she told her dad? What, what, what are you guys implying? Well, see that. I do. How, did, how does Martinez know about the Kylie rape? Either that or he's on her social media. There's only two ways he could have found out. Oh, right, because he saw the exclamation point. That there's only yeah, that's the only other that's way it, it could yep. go. Yeah, and, and and they show that he knew it because they show it in the police office when uh oh that, right that, that that woman was uh the inspector, uh the woman, whatever her name is, the character's name, she was um uh Fitzgerald. Sandra Fitzgerald brings it up and says says it and uh so he knows all about it. Yeah. That's a good yeah, point. The thing is is that the one guy was dead when um you know, when all this started. Right. But, but, but they bring in Tad and Bo and Tad says, Bo did, does all the stuff. And then Tad also, uh, it's found out he blocks the door. So Martinez now knows, ah, Bo, 
is the guy that puts exclamation point up. Oh yeah, that well, is the guy that that blocked people from getting in so they could do what they did to my daughter. Right. Well, that's. I mean, that's yes. But the thing is, is that why did he? How do we? How do? How did he know? Because we do not know. We, we do can, not. Yeah, we, uh, that's yeah. exactly. You're right, Kevin. They didn't. We do they, not they know. They did that. They never. They never told us. So oh, you froze they, up, they never Kevin. told us what. They never oh. told us what. They never told us how the father found out. And I'm He's okay with that. I mean, we He's have to cop. assume he either knew from social media, knew from prior accounts of because, the year before. All right, well, this is this is how we knew. This is how we knew. He knows about the exclamation point because of the prior rape a year earlier. His daughter is on. Uh, is uh, Bo posts the picture of his daughter with the exclamation point. Probably while she's laying un- unconscious on the bed, which is what is implied by what Ellery says. He sees the exclamation point. He sees the picture. He sees that that picture, which is all over social media, is from Wes Scott's account. He goes and kills Wes Scott. They bring in Bo and Tad as suspects or just want further information. And Tad says, Bo took the picture and he was in the room and I'm the guy that blocked the door is what uh, Inspector Fitzgerald says. You're the guy that blocks the door. So Martinez is in the room of hearing this. Oh, Bo was there too. He did it too. And this Tad scumbag was the one that, that covered it up for him. I'm going to kill those two bastards next. So that's the explanation you got right there. Well, and I think he figures out that the Dean was part of the cover up the year before by all this coming out right that's true yeah yeah the dean well you remember the dean flips out too right at, in the station and he's and he's talking he's not flipping out about um the murders he's flipping up out out about uh, uh what it'll do to the school exactly <laughs> but so, you also had the this i'm surprised the security guard didn't get it because when he was in the police station yeah. talking with them, he's bragging about the fact that you can't mess with the legacy. Yeah. And so I was like, right. based on all who got killed, I was surprised that security guard didn't get it then because he's obviously knew what was going on and part of the, the cover up process. Well, he, he's also the, uh, just a peon and, and Martinez probably knows that. Also, maybe I don't, I don't know. know. He was in charge of security of the whole school. Yeah. I would have thought he'd be killed too, but maybe that was a cut that just didn't make it into the movie. Right, right, yeah, <laughs> or, or or it was just yeah, but or yeah, why didn't he go after the the security guard? Or maybe he didn't think the security guard was important enough because you know, as long as the dean is, uh, you know, the buck stops with the dean, right? As Harry Truman says, the buck stops with me. So the security guard is just. You know, I don't know. Well, he took out all the fraternity guys that were involved. <laughs> I would have thought he'd take out that guy too. Yeah, maybe. I mean, I mean, I, right? I can see him taking out the three security. I mean, three uh, frat boys because they are the ones that basically raped his daughter, or or whatever, and or sexually assaulted. Whatever, whatever the term is, because we don't know what happened, but we can. It, whatever happened, it was a sexual assault at the at the very least. So he takes those three scumbags out. Then. The dean he takes out because the dean he covered it up, covered it up, um, and he's convenient at that point because he's there. 
yeah. Well, that's the thing. Also, the security guard didn't have anything to do with Kylie because, right? So, so if he covered anything up, it was the prior year thing, and Martinez wasn't really into the prior thing. He was he was pissed about what happened to his daughter, so that may explain why he left the security guard alone. But yeah, I don't know. I just wanted uh, to go but, back but, to that one sequence. Oh, go. No, please, please go. I'll, I'll write down what I was going to say because uh, sure. I was just going to say that I like going back to that fight sequence between the dean and Martinez. I thought that was such a really awesome way to do it. And I just wanted to say a, a shout out to Lachlan because I think he's fifty-five. He doesn't look fifty-five. No, he, no. he's got the vampire gene going. So good for him. He's looked the same for like. Two centuries, or two uh, decades—not <laughs> centuries, decades. Um, but but I, I want to go back to that scene because that's this is where where Kevin had a good point, which is at that point he kills the dean. So Shailene and and uh, Ellery and even Kylie, because I don't even know if he knows any of them are there, aren't important. He's completed his his quadruple murders of the people that he blames for what happened to his daughter why didn't he just leave at that point yeah. why you know and and that that's a fair point that kevin brought up because and then you know sean you mentioned it why didn't he say hey it's me it's me to his daughter but either way at that point there was nothing more to do right so, so yeah i don't know that's that's a good question um yeah, there's a lot of things that make sense that are not explained, but that does not make sense too much. But eh, yeah, it's minor for me. Yeah, 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 exactly, exactly. Same here. Um, he made poor choices at that point. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, if this movie wasn't a revenge film, because it was really a revenge film rather than a. Than a a, sla- a true slasher film, then yeah, Shailene would would not have escaped. She would have been dead. Yeah. Um, you know, the, I mean, that's the, the, this film was playing on our expectations of what a slasher is. When she was out in the courtyard hiding in the bushes, I'm sure all of us, all four of us, were watching, saying, "Oh yeah, she's all done." Yep. There's no. Way I know I was. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So we never expected her to escape. Right, but we now know why because he wasn't really going to kill her anyway so whether he caught her or not she wasn't going to die so for convenience of the plot it's better for her to escape because he wouldn't have killed her if he caught her so um get her out of the picture and plus that's what gets the cops to come to the the building right i mean that's that's why they 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 appear because she's the one that calls the cops off screen yep um See. So, what else? Uh, any other things we wanted to bring up? Yeah, I mean, I know Sean, you just brought up the the fight scene uh, again, but uh, any any other scenes that we wanted to bring up that we missed, or things that were on your plates? Any of your plates that you guys were thinking of bringing up that haven't been brought up yet? I like the end credit area where they're just doing all the little pieces. Well, not end credits, right before the end the credits where they're doing all the social media stuff. And first you see that he's not a suspect and then it comes out with him. He's now a suspect and that he's in critical condition. And it was kind of neat. Just all that mishmash. 
Right, because at one time they think the, the yeah they say that he's dead, but then they say nope, he's actually alive. Yeah, um, and then you know Kylie was was raped, but you could tell Kylie was devastated that her father actually murdered her friend's brother. And, yes. Um, so Kylie's all done. She she's going to a. A behavioral health institution for sure. I, th- I don't think she's going to make it. Ellery may not either, to be honest. Yeah. Um, so yeah, t- I mean, two families are destroyed uh, because of this Martinez guy. Uh, though, you know, you, you could also blame the, the the rapist too, because if they didn't do what they did, there wouldn't have been a problem in the first place. Um, the one thing I thought about, and this is aside from what you guys are talking about, was uh, the stuff where they had with Bo's dad. Oh, yeah. When oh, he's yeah. Getting, where he's in there and he's involved and in when he's talking to Bo separately, it felt like that, I don't know, he, his father felt like was more just, I don't know, if he actually even needed to be in there. Right. It just well, it felt... Yeah, well, the know, whole thing me, was, it, was, was ridiculous because, because all right, you don't know your son's a rapist, right? Generally, Bo, when he's around adults, he seems like he's a normal guy. You know, he's a he's a boozer, you know, with his rap buddies. But when he's with adults, he's he's a normal kid. You know, normal. He presents himself well. So when when his father gets called in there, there's no proof that his son did anything wrong. Meaning, and we're not talking about the rape; we're talking about the murders. His son was the one that called in the cops that they're that Wes is dead. And then they're in there asking these weird questions like, uh, do you know this hammer? Uh, why were you at the window? You know, and, you know, all these questions that in a movie make us go, go roll our eyes. But in real life, we know mean nothing because I mean, you're at the window because you're seeing if you can open the window, you know, you right. have to walk around the house because the front door is locked and you can't get in, you know, and my key's not working. That doesn't make sense. You know? So it, the father's all pissed. It's like, why, why are you asking these stupid questions? Why am I here? And to be honest, if you're going to charge anything, if you're going to ask any of these questions, we should have a lawyer here anyway. So who are you idiots? Because they are incompetent asses. And so I felt the father, and the father what was also interesting was you could tell he had money, but you could tell he was a working class guy. You know, he was probably like a general contractor or something like that. He wasn't like a white collar professional doctor, a lawyer, executive. He was like, a, a, you know, a plumber that owned like a lot, had a lot of money because he was successful in business. And, and so he's you know, like, who are these, you know, these pricks? So I like that aspect because he's like the working class man that, that made his money himself versus all these wealthy scumbags that are, are all around him at this university. But he's smart enough to get his son into the university because he knows he wants his son to do, do good in life. And a university from with a degree from a great university is going to do that for you. But he knows that how it all works. And, and that's what I got out of it rather than him just being there as a jerk. I don't know what you guys felt about that scene. Am, well, I, am what, I way off? Did I read way too much into it? I mean, what what he the the father was concerned about was his son going to be um, blamed for the murder. Because, you know, he was afraid that they were just going to try to pin it on him 
when the father, you know, that's why he was the father's like, you know, this is this is nonsense. Essentially, he he believed his son was innocent and he was afraid that the the police were just going to try to, like I said, pin it on the pin it on his son. And he that's why he said, you know, hey, this is nonsense. I'm, I'm out of here, you know, because he, you know, of course, he wanted to he, he wanted the murderer to be found, but he didn't want his son to be the one to be accused, you know, he, he, like I said, he did not think his son did it. So he didn't want his son to be uh, accused of it or, you know, they're trying to pin it on him. That's what he thought he, they were going to do. Right. Right. Yeah. And, and I, I think that's, that's a legitimate concern and, and any parent would be like that. And as we know, his son was innocent. His son did not murder anybody. So, so it makes sense. And um, I felt the character was, even if they were trying, I don't know if they were trying to make us not like Bo and his, I mean, I know they weren't, didn't want us to like Bo, but curious if they were trying to make us hate his father too. But whatever I saw, I thought the father was awesome because the father was right on everything he said, I felt. I don't know. What, what do you think, uh, Barrett? Yeah, I agree with you. I mean, I didn't mind the scene. Um, and yeah, it, it worked for me. All right. What about you, Sean? Uh, I seem to be the one out of place in this group because I did not like the dad. I had a, I don't know, I had a really bad feeling or weird feeling about him. And oh, I, I did think too. That's why, and I, that's why I, I had I, a weird I, feeling about him. I didn't like him. I don't know. Yeah, I just, I don't know. There's something <laughs> that was off. And that's why I felt like, I don't know, that's why to me, I, it was, I had a different uh, feeling than what you guys had, but I, I understand and can see where you guys are coming from on that. So. All right. See, I, I looked at him as a working class hero that was giving it to the man. So, so I liked them, but anybody that's anti-establishment, I like usually. So, um, but yeah, I could see how some people would look at him and just say he's a, he's a jerk too. Uh, but Honestly, I think I felt he was a jerk because they were trying to tag his son as the murderer when his son wasn't a murderer. And um, but I can see how other people like you, Sean, or you, Barrett, didn't like him because he could have been just one of those. My son's the best and he don't do any wrong. You know, so uh, I guess you can look at it either way. Um, All right. uh, Any other items that you guys wanted to bring up? Anything? Speak? Anyone? I was just going to say that again, and I just really loved the way or the choices that they used for shots and uh, even just like the overhead shots when they're showing like the campus and stuff. I thought they were really Oh, those well are done. great drone shots. Yeah. Or, like, or, yeah. And uh, yeah. I just I, I really appreciated like the cleanness of the the movie and in, in how it was shot. At least that's how it felt to me. So yeah, yeah, they used a lot of whites, um, and I thought like in the, in the, um, sorority house and in the um, the courtyard. I thought that was pretty cool, and yeah, that that drone shot of the courtyard was awesome. So yeah, th- those were some interesting choices of color and cinematography and and, and stuff. Um, now, Sean, you mentioned something that you did offline when you were researching the film. You said something about the director and his his uh yeah so what i had been looking into it i guess 
in, I think it was in college, he was doing a, there was a school pro or project that they had to do and he had chosen social media and its effect on people giving up too, in, too much information and, and that kind of thing. And how the short film that he made what was basically the basis for making this feature length movie. Now, let me ask you this. Did, do you remember, uh, remember what, what college he was, he went to or what st state or province, do you know, if he's American, Canadian, you know, he's, he's American. I can't remember. If, what was it? Was it a California school at university of Southern California? I think it was USC. Huh? No kidding. Yeah. Because it was, uh, it was based Carson, on pa short Carson film. Palmer and Mark McGuire's college. So it was based on a short film, uh, Dembanger, that Bernardo created as a class assignment while he was attending USC. The assignment was created as a short film that dealt with social change and social media. Bernardo chose social media after viewing uh, the ease with which people would create a profile on Facebook and how widespread the usage was. And that the short film explored the dangers of putting out too much personal information on social media. And then uh, Bernardo wanted to expand the short into a full length film after seeing the release of the film uh, Unfriended in 2014. Mm. But wanted to explore the topic of social media differently. He also wanted to avoid using some of the uh, common slasher tropes as he felt that they were uh, inherently misogynistic. Uh, and a giant man with a phallic sh uh, sharp thing crashing a hat or like chasing after a half naked girl who's too stupid to be going out the front door when she's going up the stairs. It's just insulting. Well, to be honest, uh, unless you're in that situation, who knows how to react. So uh, I, I won't uh, complain to anybody uh, who makes a film where someone wrong goes the wrong way, but uh, I see his point. Um, especially the part about social media and also about doing something a little different. Um, what was the name of that short film again? Uh, Denbanger was the the one that he, uh, he had created as the short film. Gotcha. Now, uh, yeah, that's interesting. Uh, Unfriended, yeah, that, that was a good example that, that he had as a, a template. Um, the, the couple of things uh, that are interesting about social media, yeah, I mean, giving out too much information like when you go on vacation you shouldn't post anything about it on facebook because then people know you're not at home you're they, gone yeah and they can go right and then you can have um uh if you go to a movie they say that um uh people who are in a movie you, your car is more apt to be stolen than in any other parking lot because they know you're in, in the in the building for at least an hour and a half and you're not coming out Versus, say, a grocery store where you could just walk out at any point. So if you post that you're watching Godzilla versus King Kong at the theaters, uh, don't, you know, your chance that your car will be broken into uh, is more apt to happen uh, because of that. Um, also, yeah, we know about pedophiles and how they target people uh, on social media. Um you know, they show the example of the, the exclamation point here with, with women. I mean, there's so many different examples of how social media uh, can cause problems, never mind uh, um, just normal cesspool of hate that, that social media has. Um, as, as we all know, uh, you, you can write, I didn't like that film on social media. 
you know, so innocuous. And then you're going to be literally attacked by 20 people who say, you're a bleep and bleep, bleep. That movie was the best. You just bleep and bleep. And it's like, I just said I didn't like the film. It's, it doesn't make it a bad film. It just means I didn't like it. You know? But people are stupid. And we know that. And social media <laughs> is accessible. Well, the thing that I liked about how he, they did the sequences, like where Kylie's in the class trying to think of what's happening and all the people are like doing the social media yeah smashing like uh you know insulting her and degrading her and stuff and just letting in the situation uh where ellery's having a similar situation with people going about the killings right and it just i thought they did a really good job of just creating of like you're the person being barraged by all these other people who don't know what's really going on but they're happy to spread it the misinformation yeah. right Right, right, yeah. Without concern or care for how it actually affects the person involved or the people right. involved. Well, even, even if it isn't misinformation and it's just negative information about a person, you posting it, knowing that you're tarnishing that person when if you didn't post it, you're doing nothing bad to that person. You know, in other words, if you, your friend passes out, is drunk, and throws up on themselves, you could take a picture and post it and say, look at this, and you embarrassed them. Or you don't have to do that. So whether it's misinformation or not, the question is, is it malicious? Right. right? And that's even worse. And and stuff. So yeah, that's that's too much uh in some cases. Um so yeah, social media. Um also the the director, it is interesting that he felt feels slashes a misogynistic and whatever, which is f- fine. But I mean that sounds a little too much of a quote unquote white knight, if you ask me. Um, more than him really um, uh, upset that a horror film was a certain way back in 1987. You know, it is what it is. I'll give him credit, though, not for saying that those films were misogynistic, but I'll give him credit for trying to do something different. Um, Because because otherwise it it just makes me roll my eyes because it makes him try to, like, be a white knight and if you don't know what a white knight is just google it and you'll figure it out yeah um and i'm not talking chess um uh but again that, that's part of that's part of social media right i mean i mean you know when it, it, a white knight is social media but either way i don't know no, i don't want to attack the director i just wanted to bring that point up as as something of of note um i do right. like that the three female leads live yeah yeah that was, that was a cool cool thing and it was just the guys who got attacked yeah yeah i i I did like the the um the three female leads too because because they could have really screwed up ellery's character and made her a villain because her brother was was a rapist and there's a chance that they could have made her like try to cover it up or be part of the problem when that unfortunately did not happen. She didn't want to sell out her brother, obviously, but there was never any time for her to either cover up or sell her brother out because by the time any of that happened, he was dead. Yep. And, and so they, they they could have really screwed that character up, and they didn't. Um, and Shailene was, was good enough as mm-hmm. as her, the best friend, and Kylie's uh, character played the uh, the confused girl not knowing exactly what happened but still knew something could have happened and confused in the sense that she didn't know what what to do or where to go because if she goes and says something happened and nothing did happen that's bad but 
if she doesn't do anything and she's not true to herself, that's bad too. And, and again, the film doesn't have that story um, uh, answered because everything else happens before any of that could even happen be concluded anyway so i felt that was pretty good too so yeah the, the three leak women were, were really good i felt they, they were um excellent um and and to be honest all, all the actors were, were really good too so yeah. all right so uh we got some uh interesting news uh uh you know that, uh, there was a chance that we could interview a bunch of folks for this film but uh we we got the most important person uh who was that kevin and uh what, i mean let me ask you kevin who who are we uh, going to interview which is kind of cool uh we are going to interview the director and writer john berardo he is pretty much the main man uh responsible for this film and it should be a very good interview Absolutely. All right. So uh, uh, we're, we're able to record this a little later, so uh, we're going to add it to uh, the podcast, and uh, let's, let's listen to what we, he had to say. All right. We have a special guest here, uh, basically uh, someone uh, pretty important to the movie that uh, we're reviewing, and uh, why don't you introduce yourself? My name is John Berardo, and I'm the director, co-writer, and co-producer of Initiation. All right, that's great. We appreciate that you're on. Uh, a lot of folks will uh, be curious to hear some uh, question, unanswered questions that we had for you. So, uh, Barrett, why don't we go? Uh, what do you got? Um, I'm going to ask a question for someone that wasn't able to be here with us tonight. Um, how did you get Lachlan Monroe into the film, involved in the film? Uh, we got Lachlan Monroe through our casting director, Ricky Maisler. She uh, has done a couple projects with him, and she uh, had mentioned him in early talks, and he was definitely at the top of my list, and uh, he responded to the script, and we got him. Thank you. Nice. Kevin, what do you got? Uh, it's not really a question uh, at first. It's more of a, a, a compliment, if you will, is that, uh, first of all, I, I love how you made a horror movie into a mystery. I thought, see, I'm a big mystery buff, and so, and I also like horror, so essentially you combine the two together, you know, and I just, I want to say bravo to that. Thank and you. Also, yeah, and I also want to say bravo for, um, I don't know if I've ever seen another film that really incorporated cell phone uh, text messages into the movie like you did, up to the point where it almost was like another character. Right. Yeah, that's, you just said it yourself. It is another character, and that, that was something that we were very specific about from the very, very beginning, and we had a pipeline all the way from pre-production to delivery of the film um, to make sure that the... Because, you know, in the scripts, we had to write social media because these characters we wanted to have be authentic and we wanted them to come off as, you know, and relate with audiences that would be watching this movie today. And so to do that, uh, we had to really write the script in a way that kids actually use social media and these characters would use it. And uh, before we went into production, we had the actors create their own social accounts. They were given uh, real phones on set and they would be live posting, live messaging. And we had a designated social media phone coordinator who would be handling all these phones, but also were screen recording every take and matching that with the dailies 
so then the post team could start the uh, tedious process of animating the specific text that were already sort of flagged from the script stage that we would want shown. And over the process, we about 50 of them changed over time because we found a good opportunity, as you're saying, with a mystery to build more mystery. Like the, because I made a point that even if a character, if you know, in the script, if we were doing a scene and it didn't have a character messaging in the script, I still made sure their phone was out because in the today's world, you know, social situations, we've all got our phones in our hands or out in some way. And believe it or not, like. You know, when you let an actor play, they give you so many moments that you could just add a little message that makes it seem like they're getting a message that you wouldn't even know, and it really helps <laughs> hear the audience. And um, yeah, and so it was. It was another character that really turned into a language in the movie, and the style of it was important from the very beginning to not be copying anything that we know today, but really just use the steps of, of communication that we know and recreating our own interface that would work with the movie and have kind of a, a stark, creepy tone to it. Yeah, because, I mean, I, I was impressed with how you did that because, um, like I said, it's just so prevalent in our, in our world today. And instead of them having to read out loud something, a text that, that text that they would get because, you know, we're texting all the time, it would just pop up. And so they didn't have to read it. We could read it. And it was a whole lot faster. It was... I, I just thought that was a very good move. Thank you. Yeah, that that was just so important because I, I, you know, we don't see movies that do that. And from the very, very beginning, I knew that that was going to be a big overhaul. And I'm glad it paid off. Thank you. Um, now, uh, without spoiling, obviously, um, uh, we, I know uh, off uh, other uh, interviews and stuff that I, I noticed that um, you were interviewed and discussing slashers and and how you wanted to make your slasher somewhat different than uh, slashers from the 80s, uh, especially now after the Me Too and, and whatnot. Um, I, w I was curious. Um, uh, you you actually made uh, a, a I, I actually compared this uh, movie to a real life case. Uh, uh, Jameson Winston, a uh, football player for uh, Tampa Bay that's uh, now, I think, with Louisiana, and how he, in college, um, got off uh, from uh, a, hor a horrible, uh, I, I guess, sexual assault, and, and that uh, was documented in a CNN um, a documentary called... Uh, Oh shoot! I, I can't remember the documentary name, but it's uh, on Netflix now. Um, I, I was curious uh, if you you thought of that choosing um, what appear to be uh, fine individuals, uh, nice people generally. I mean, it, I, I, I liked uh, the the folks that were, I guess, the quote unquote bad guys, but. In, in the background, they, they, we, as, as seen in that real case that I mentioned, the people aren't necessarily who they are. Um, I, I, and you mentioned how you wanted to write uh, a, a script that was a little different than the slashes in the 80s. Um, uh, how did you go about that and come up with that idea? Uh, and did you use real-life cases uh, when, when writing your script? Yeah, honestly, you, you totally just regurgitated every, like you got everything. Like, um, the fact that this movie brought up that case in your mind in your past is exactly what we wanted. And so uh, the, the first part of the question is uh, we definitely wanted to take, so 
if you can take, uh, if you look at the slasher genre, it's inherently misogynistic. Just as a genre, you have a man with a phallic object chasing a woman screaming or in some sort of vulnerable position. Don't get me wrong, men die in slasher movies too, but it's always about the females. It's always about the female characters and how over time it's really been, you know, made fun of count, countless times to the point to where it's high camp. And so I, uh, I felt like, not only was it important for me to, you know, make a new age slasher film, because I am a Scream fanboy, and my dream since being a kid was to make a modern day Scream, but to do that in a way that really spoke to today's generation. Because Scream spoke to me as a kid, not just because it was a scary movie or a slasher movie, but it just, it was, it encompassed 90s culture. And I wanted to make a movie that did that as well for, for kids. And the, you know, the, to be able to take the slasher genre and flip it in a way, that really hit the nail on the head the right way with the themes that we were going for within the subject matter. And what, like I said, what better movie to try to, you know, stir up conversation or change somebody's mind about a really serious topic other than a slasher film because of the, just the sheer fact that those movies are, you know, uh, they come from, like I said, a misogynistic sort of perspective. And so um, that that was definitely thought of throughout the, with the weapons. And, you know, you talked about how these characters come off one way, but they appear to be another way. That was totally, you know, not to be punny, but to be punny reflected in the, the design of the mask. You know, we really wanted to to hit that hit that home and... I think that uh, the other thing on, on what you're talking about with it being based on a, a real event, there really wasn't one event that inspired it. All of them did. You heard about it all the time, and you heard about it being covered up, and there are so many of them that you never heard about. And it was really a goal for every single one of us on this movie to make sure that if a survivor or somebody who's friends with a survivor watches this film, they see it done in a real way and they see people dealing with it in a realistic way. And we sort of show them the kind of options at the beginning that, you know, they, we see them discussing options, you know, it's, it's, it's done in a, a realistic way and having those conversations is hard, but they've got to be done. And so, you know, I grew up in a college town, went to UCLA, went to USC. So I knew college culture, if anything, and that was, just important to get get across. You know, there hasn't been a movie out there that I felt really uh, put the audience in a position to think about these issues the way that they should. And that goes with casting as well. If you cast somebody who right off the bat, you're like, oh, that guy's a douchebag. You're, you're gonna think a certain way about him. We're, we're, we really strategically cast the right kind of actors for the roles to make sure that you didn't do that. Yeah, indeed, indeed. Uh, and uh, the documentary uh, is uh, The Hunting Ground, is what it's called. Hunting Ground. Yeah, I was yeah. going to say Kirby, uh, Kirby Dick, I think, is his documentary. I don't know. Maybe oh, yeah, I think, I think you're absolutely right. Yeah. yeah. If I'm wrong, then redact that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, no worries, no worries. I'll, I'll, I'll look it up while Barrett asks you a question. Um, so first I want to say comparing to Scream is very apt. I consider this movie a smart slasher um, like Scream. I, I would put it, that's the first movie I thought of while I was watching it. Um, but I wanted to ask, where did the ideas for the kills come? Were you trying to make them all different? Or I, I really wondered where he came up with that idea to use that specific thing. 
Yeah, um, well, the drill was always the weapon. Uh, that was, you know, again, that really hit the themes of sexual assault the way that we wanted to. And um, the that evolved over time, though, because once we got into casting, the actor that uh, ended up, you know, playing who would be the killer took it upon themselves to uh, say, hey, I don't think a power drill would be used, but like an impact driver with a bolt and a knife and a hammer and adding all these things to it because what was most important is that this killer was real and this killer killed for the real reasons. And I let that actor sort of steer a lot of the way, like we gave them the, the scenario of what needed to happen with the deaths and let them sort of call, like, what would you do here? What would you try here? And sort of hone that in. What was extremely important was for all of them to be different for me. I didn't, you know, you watch slasher movies and what gives a slasher audience, especially fans of slasher films, their, you know, what their money's worth is when the deaths are all unique. You don't want to see the same death one after another. And uh, we tried to write it that way. But, you know, to make them all similar, I wanted to make sure each one of them were in a very, sim or very vulnerable sort of state uh, and uh, trapped in a way. And that was something that I wanted it to be, you know, thematically throughout, but yet trying to make each one. Of them. And the differences evolved over time. Like uh, what the third death, I remember we, we added a song to it later that really changed it for me. I wasn't, it just, it, the, the, the scene itself was different. You know, what the guy was doing and it was different, hasn't really been done before, but it didn't have that different tone that I wanted it to of the other deaths. And so I was uh, talking, we brought on somebody for music and they just found the song from this new artist and it just blew my mind and really upped the quality of that scene for me and the vibe that I wanted it to give off. Nice. And you're right, it is a, a Kirby deck, yep. Yeah, he, he was the, the hunting ground. Yeah. All right, Kevin, what do you got? Uh, kind of a, I guess you could say a two-part question, really, because, uh, I mean, I'm looking at your IMDb page. I mean, is this really your first movie? It's my first feature film, yeah. I, yeah. I, went to, I, I started making movies at a really young age. Like, I started making my own movies really young, like, I was just in high school, like no joke, when I would literally try to make feature films throughout the summer. And when I got to L.A., I started making shorts. And I would get them into festivals and put on IMDb. And I continued making as many shorts as I could until I got into grad school at USC. And when I got into USC, again, I continued making more shorts. And... Uh, my taste level evolved over time, I will say. I studied theater directing in undergrad at UCLA, so the movies I would make while I was an undergrad were very post-war melodrama, Tennessee Williams, but they all had a murder kind of vibe, horror, noir feel to them. And then when I got to grad school, I really reconnected with my love of horror. And so, uh, no joke, I mean, I graduated in 2013. It took me six, seven years to really get this movie invested in. And it took uh, all of my energy for that seven years. So I guess my my next question though is what's on the what's on the docket? The docket. What's next? Um, I am working on two scripts right now. One of them, I would say, like my next passion project, my next initiation, um, is it's a thriller, a crime thriller, a suspense sort of murder mystery, and uh, that's really where I want to go is the murder mystery route. I I will always have elements of horror 
Um, but it's really like the true crime, murder mystery type of dramas that I'm, I'm rooting for. So it's a movie that I'm working on. It's called Westlake that I'm super excited about and proud of. Nice. Um, you about it. Yeah. Um, now, uh, my question is, unfortunately, uh, we, we all want to um, love our universities and have our, um, our uh, I guess, pride, university pride and whatnot. But um, as you uh, discussed, and, and we discussed, um, this, these, there are many cases, whether high school or college and whatnot, that these things occur. Um, and, and in this, this case here in your movie, um, the, the college may possibly, and again, without spoiling, could be similar to real-life cases where um, they want to not dam have their... It, it, it's a strange thing. You would think that they would want to um, um, uh, prevent crimes and help the victims, and yet a lot of times they cover up, and they try to uh, brush it under the the uh, rug and unfortunately what happens when that happens sometimes is when it eventually does come out you have the huge blowback uh, that uh, occurs uh, were you trying to uh, um, I can't I can't think of uh, the word but point your finger at the universities and I guess the system itself where they do such terrible things rather than support the the victims and the people who are innocent of of these horrible crimes Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, I'm not pointing my finger at any specific university, but it's a culture that has to change. And uh, universities, you know, save face more than they do students a lot of the times. Now, that's not every college and that's not every experience at colleges that have had that sort of problem. But, uh, you know, I went to USC and USC, unfortunately, is just under so much fire. Um, and I, you know, when I was at that university, Every year, I just watch buildings grow out of the ground. You know, so much money is funneled into these schools. And, you know, you just look at, like, these new health centers, this new health center that came out, and, you, you know, you realize that, like, all these students are paying tuition while this gynecologist is sexually assaulting them. It's disgusting. Oh, yeah. And, it, you know, it's not just in athletics. It's everywhere. And the problem is, is it's very difficult universities for them to penalize that sort of thing based on the way the system is set up. And uh, it, it's, cre you know, it's created a culture that's just got to change, much like a lot of other parts of our, you know, our world that we live in that are, we're seeing change in, you know, happen. Right. Yes, that's true. Uh, Barrett, what do you got? Um, what would you say is your favorite part or the part you're most proud of in this movie? I have a lot of favorite parts, but I'll say the part I'm most proud of is the scene where the girls are talking the morning after uh, the sexual assault. Uh, that, that scene was done so delicately, and it's, the reason it's my favorite scene is just because of what the actors brought to it and how the editor shaped it. That scene is just a prime example of like going from one way on the page to the performance to the, to the final edit. And I just got to give props to all the actors in it. You know, they brought so much to that. Like, I didn't have to direct that scene, really, because they each brought it so well. And it was just a really magical moment. Um, but, you know, I'd say that. And then, you know, obviously, that gave me spoilers away. The scene with my brother, uh, he plays Dylan. And he had a really emotionally and physically tolling scene. And at the end of his first take, he got a round of applause. And it was just really cool to see him, you know, shine like that. Oh, that's cool. Nice. Uh, Kevin, what do you got? 
I mean, apart from your brother, is there anybody else from this cast that you've worked with and uh, hope to work with again? Oh, yeah. I mean, I, I've worked with um, Lindsay Levanchi, who plays Ellery and is a co-writer. I met her at UCLA over 10 years ago and made written projects for her because she's so good. Um, Maxwell Hamilton, he played uh, the guy in the original short. He plays Tyler the scientist in this. So, I mean, I hope to work with every single one of these actors again and continue to work with them because they're all very good. Um, every single one of the cast members is was just uh, a treat to work with. Uh, my question was, is uh, you, you mentioned that, that really important scene uh, the day after, and um, I, I wanted to know if, if you were intentionally trying to make it, the, that not necessarily that scene, but the whole uh, assault itself, very ambiguous because obviously we, we actually say it in our review that, that we're, you know we're obviously we're glad that uh, we don't see an assault, uh, but also that makes it more ambiguous too, and, and especially when the, the victim may or may not uh, it appears lost her memory maybe intentionally through nefarious reasons or just because she had too much. But uh, there's enough clues to make us know what is happening. And it, whether there, there was a judge and jury, you know, you know, people can still make it. You know, O.J. Simpson, we all know he's guilty. You know, whatever. It's just common sense. So, uh, were you trying to uh, make it slightly ambiguous to make us wonder if the important, I guess, spoiler alert, uh, bro the brother was possibly did some criminal activity? I guess. Um, yes, we did that. I did that on purpose because there, there's multiple reasons. But the first reason I remember was in the script stage of so many of this audience is going to be in the position of that, of saying, okay, maybe it did happen, maybe it didn't happen. And m majority of the time, that's where we're going to be in in these situations unless we are in the unfortunate scenario of actually being a victim and then a survivor ourselves. And so I really wanted to make sure that we made a movie that was very universal to the audience and then being able to understand these types of situations and how to deal with them. Because like I said, majority of people that watch this movie have been in this scenario and they don't know what to do a lot of the times. And uh, I also felt like I didn't want to, like I wanted, like I said, I wanted to be like real life. I didn't want us, the audience to know yes or no or to teeter too far one way or the other. It was extremely important to maintain that balance of mystery behind it because that aided to the overall drama of the characters and their arc down the line when their lives are on the line. And so uh, it, it also gave the audience more investment in deciding for themselves and trying to pick up clues and figure out, you know, wait, did he, didn't he? It's important for, to put the audience and make them work for it because then the payoff is going to be worth it. Yeah, and, and that's a fair point, too. I also liked how, by doing that, you make us, the audience, be the typical uh, person, whether a college student or otherwise, argue and say, he's innocent, he's a great guy, or he's terrible, he, we know he did it, and and how, how the, the, the judgment or opinion is just blanketed depending on how you think rather than uh, facts. And, and I, I liked how you, you threw that out to make us be... Either not not guilty, but but guilty of making a judgment without really watching the rest of the film. I guess exactly. And what what better movie to change minds than a slasher movie? 
Yeah, yeah, for sure, for sure. Now, uh, it's uh, 7.58, and we know we were only supposed to have you for a half hour. We could have kept you on for for an hour and a half, two hours. We've done that before with other directors, but I know you're really busy. Uh, so uh, we want to... Yes, but uh, we can um, ask you some uh, questions where, like, if you want to have folks uh, know where they can find you on social media, uh, where they can find the movie when it comes out, because the movie comes out uh, very shortly. Uh, and like uh, Kevin mentioned, uh, any other things you want to mention, uh, promote that, that you uh, have in the, the works? I would just say uh, they can find me on Instagram at my name, at John Barardo, and they can find the movie at Initiation Film. The movie comes out May 7th. Uh, you can get it on any VOD platforms, and it's going to be in selected theaters. And, uh, you know, iTunes, Amazon, watch it. If you enjoy it, you know, write about it online. You know, Rotten Tomatoes, tell people about it, because really, you know, we want to get this movie out there for people. Nice. And, and are you, you on Twitter or anything, or Facebook? Or anything I'm not like on or? Twitter. I'm not on Twitter, and I barely, I mean, I am on Facebook, but I don't really use it too much. Instagram's my main hub. Very good, very good. All right, uh, thanks for uh, joining us. We appreciate it. Uh, we'll um, get you uh, the final interview and, and our critique of the film episode um, when, when we release it and get it to uh, the folk who set us up with you. And uh, uh, appreciate it, and uh, we, we liked your film. It was really good. Thank yeah, you so much. thank, thank you very much. Yes, really thank you. Have a okay. good You too. Bye now. Bye. All right, so that was great. Uh, that was pretty fun. Uh, what did you think, Barrett? That was a great interview, and very, very much enjoyed talking with him, learning some things about the film. Yeah, indeed. Uh, same here. What about you, Kevin? Oh, I, uh, I liked it. It was too bad we didn't, we didn't have a longer time with him, but uh, he was uh, personable, good to talk to, and uh, you know, just ready and happy to answer our questions and take the time to talk to us. Indeed, and uh, unfortunately, uh, Sean wasn't able to join us, but uh, uh, Barrett was able to get one of his questions out, which was kind of good. So uh, uh, he was here with us in, uh, in I guess, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Barrett. In spirit. He was there with us in spirit, yeah. Indeed, indeed. And, uh, so uh, that was great. So, uh, all right, so... Uh, uh, once again, that was uh, the director and writer, uh, the main man behind the film, and uh, let's get back to uh, the regular part of the podcast. All right, so uh, let's do a, a little house cleaning uh, first off. So uh, once again, uh, this is the Halloween Boutique Psychotronic Reviews podcast, where you can find anywhere podcasts are found, as well as at darkdiscussions.com. Um, Barrett, uh, me and you just uh, f- finished up uh, CBS All Access or now Paramount Plus uh, television series podcast. What was that called and what was it about? Don't tell me. I'll tell you the Stand podcast. We did a podcast on the new miniseries for The Stand. And we also covered the book, the uncut version of the book, as well as the original miniseries. Uh, it's, a, it's a good ride. Yep, you can find that wherever podcasts are found or at darkdiscussions.com. Uh, Kevin, me, you, and Barrett just uh, concluded uh, a podcast about another television series. And what was that called? And what was that podcast about? Uh, we just did uh, Discovery of Witches, uh, the podcast on Discovery Witches. It was a very um, fun show. That, and uh, please listen. Enjoy. Well, hey, Kevin, what was the name of that podcast? 
discoverer of witches, vampires, and demons. Uh, no, uh, discovery of witches, demons, and vampires. Okay. Got it. Yeah. Yeah. But either way, it's uh, wherever podcasts are found, as well as at darkdiscussions.com. Uh, also, there's uh, about 28 other podcasts on that network, including Dark Discussions Podcast, which was the flagship and original podcast that has now been around for 10 years, March uh, 2011 to March, March 9th, 2011 to March 9th, 2021, which is uh, the 10th year anniversary. So March 9th, 2011 to March Ninth, twenty twenty one. I had uh, yes. Yeah, so uh, check that out. Uh, it's a weekly podcast that basically uh, reviews and critiques a different movie in the genre, uh, theme, uh, thrillers, horror, things like that. Uh, weekly. So uh, check that out. Um, all right. So with all that, I think we can get into our final thoughts on this film. So uh, let's start with you, Kevin. Uh, let's see. First, slasher. This was very good. Um, like I said, I'm not as into slashers as I used to be, but like I said sure, before... You were the slasher machine back in the day, that's what Eric said. Yeah, I know, I kind of freaked him out. But my whole point is, is that this movie had a mystery to it. And so there was... It wasn't just a, okay, let's watch a bunch of people get slaughtered. It's, all right, what's going on and who's doing it? All right, very good. And uh, let's see, for me, um, yeah, I'm, I've never really been a huge slasher fan either. Um, I usually do like uh, movies about uh, sociopaths and things of that nature for horror films or, or even thrillers, you know, so things like uh, uh, Country for Old Men or, or things of that nature. Uh, but uh, the general slasher um, is pretty fun, especially the, the ones in the 80s and 70s. You know, it's uh, you get your exploitation elements and blood and guts and monsters and boobs and all that crap. And and those films are fun. Um, here, this is a updated version, 19... Not a 19, Jesus, I'm aging myself. A 2021 uh, <laughs> film. And uh, they do a little things different. Uh, there's actually uh, a mystery behind it. As Kevin said, uh, it's almost like a whodunit rather than just a straight slasher film. Um, and it worked pretty good. So, yeah, I, I liked it a lot and uh, would recommend it. Uh, let's go with you, uh, Mr. Barrett. I really enjoyed this film. Uh, I thought it was really well done. I thought the script was pretty tight and very believable. Um, most most of the acting was believable. Um, and it was just an enjoyable movie. It's It's a cut above slashers for me, but it is a slasher film. But yeah, with that mystery, and it was just real well done. I enjoyed it. Two thumbs up. I'm curious to wonder if this was a, would be a PG-13 film. If it's at theaters, I don't know. It's a good question. Uh, either way, uh, let's yeah. go with you. Yeah, think about it, right? Uh, what about you, Sean? Uh, so going in, I was a little bit unsure about it cause, because I'm not a big fan of slashers, but I did really appreciate uh, – the aspects of how they shot and filmed the different uh, kill sequences. And I just like even just chatting with you guys has actually given me a little bit more appreciation for just how well done the movie was. So I'm really grateful that I had a chance to be able to check it out and be able to chat with you guys about it. All right. Very good. So uh, once again, this is a 2021 film called Initiation uh, starring uh, numerous folk. 
so I won't go over all of them again, but uh, I'll give the name of uh, the lead actress, Lindsay Lavanchi, playing Ellery Scott. Uh, the film was directed by John Barrado, uh, and uh, he was uh, one of the writers on the film, uh, along with... Um, Brian Frager, and believe it or not, Lindsay Levanchi uh, has a, a credit as well, so the lead actress. But uh, either way, uh, the film uh, will be readily available uh, mid-May, so mid-May 2021. So depending on when you listen to this, you may actually um, already be able to see the film. Uh, but if not, uh, if you're listening to this prior to its release date, it will be released mid-May 2021. Uh, wherever VOD is found. Uh, disc information, not sure at this time, Media, uh, hard media. But uh, either way, uh, that's pretty much it. So once again, initiation. And with all that stated, Barrett, why don't you lead us out? Thanks again for joining us on Halloween Boutique Psychotronic Reviews. Um, join us next time when we will be talking about another equally interesting project. Sean, thanks for joining us again. Thanks, guys. I hope this becomes a regular thing. That'd be fun, thank you.